Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Morning, all lines are open at one 850 You can text 0868-104-106. My thanks to uh, Mick Mulcahy for sitting in uh, for the last few days. Absolutely heartbreaking, tragic news, of course, breaking yesterday afternoon. Tragic for the community, uh, but tragic in, on, a, on a different scale entirely for the families of those who have lost loved ones. Um, and indeed, uh, I'm talking about uh, a story of uh, two deaths that down in Monkstown yesterday afternoon. All of the papers carry it this morning. In fact, the, the Red Tops talk uh, of Father Con Cronin as uh, a hero. Uh, he saved uh, a woman's life. by put, they, were at, they were at lunch inside in the bosun, by all accounts, and were crossing the road. Um, and uh, it was obvious that something was amiss with the, uh, with the bus, and he pushed his friend out of the way um, after it seems as if the tragic bus driver um, apparently may well have suffered a heart attack. So the papers this morning saying hero crash priest died saving woman. The mail this morning says priest died in crash as he saved woman's life and sacrificed himself in a horrific bus tragedy. Barry Roach has extensive coverage in this morning's Irish Times and he joins me by phone this morning. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? Uh, it's actually hard, hard to come to terms with this. It's a terribly, terribly sad, tragic story. What happened? Yeah, absolutely freakish sort of sequence of events. Uh, yesterday unfolded at about 20 to 2 in Monkstone outside um, the end sign heading back. Uh, the bus, uh, it's the 216, which runs from Monkstone to CUH. It was empty at the time and was been driven by... Uh, the regular driver, Mark Wills, who'd been on the route for, I think he'd been with CAE for 20 years, or sorry, bus airing for 20 years, but he'd been on this route for uh, over two years, so he was well known in passage in Monkstone and uh, along Rochestone as well. And it seems, Gardy are investigating whether uh, he may have had some medical traumas that described possibly a heart attack and lost control of the bus passing by the bus and, and the ensign. He veered across the road towards the riverside or the waterside. And uh, the local curate father Con Cronin who'd been there for about in, in the harbour parishes of Passage West Monkstone Ringskiddy and Shambani for about 9 or 10 years he was crossing the road with the sacristan they'd been, they'd been to lunch in the bus and, and uh, unfortunately or tragically the bus hit him the sacristan escaped they'd almost crossed the road I got them were able to um, get on the footpath the bus veered across the road it hit the wall on the water side and carried on straight and his father Cronin and knocked him down and continued then and hit six parked cars and there was a man from Shanbelly with his 13 year old daughter near the cars and he managed to um, pull his daughter out of the way she got some bruises alright but nothing serious even though she was taken to CUH for a, a precautionary measure the emergency services were alerted, paramedics were there and doctors, and they worked on both Father Cronin and Mr. Wills, but both were uh, unfortunately prone state at the scene, and their bodies removed to CUH for a post-mortem. Uh, Gardy closed off the road then to allow a forensic crash investigator to examine the scene and find out what exactly happened, but I think a lot will depend on the post-mortem results there to see what perhaps they caused uh, Mr. Wills to lose control of it. And as I said, the Garda investigation is focusing on the possibility that he had a medical trauma, possibly a heart attack, which mm-hmm. caused him to lose control. I was talking to somebody this morning, he was saying that uh, the fact that he veered right across the road uh, actually meant that there were about 20 people outside the bus, and if he had lost control and veered left, or veered left and lost control, it could have been far, far... Of course. 
Of course. More, uh, um, just on, just on, the, on, on the on the death of um, Mark Wills and our our condolences for the, to to his family. As you say, he was well known in the village. The driver he was described well known as and I was listening to Marcy Dalton, the council this morning, sort of saying, you know, that people would have known him, and he sort of always had a smile for people. He did very well regarded. Yeah. And I suppose when you're on a route like that and you're the regular driver, people get to know you and become. Fond of you, and, and so he's he's going to be sorely missed down there. Mark Wills is from Ballincollig, isn't isn't he? That's where he's from. Ballincollig, yeah, yeah, yeah. Living there, he's two teenage children, and uh, obviously they have to come to terms with this terrible, sudden tragedy. Uh, and Boss Aaron uh, have, have issued um, a, a beautiful tribute to him as well overnight, talking about him being uh, always in great form, very happy-go-lucky kind of a, a, a chap, uh, much loved by his colleagues. Uh, and I'm clearly sadly missed, and I think they're they're offering. He was so loved within Bosseran, incidentally, that they're offering um, uh, services if anybody feels they might need some kind of, of counselling. I, I can well understand. Yeah, he described him as a long-standing and greatly valued employee based at Capwell, the depot there on the on, on the south side. This is a terrible and sad day for everyone in Bosseran, and we're all heavy-hearted. Company CEO Stephen Kent said in a statement, and he said our thoughts with the families and communities affected by this loss. And we'd sincerely like to thank the emergency services for all their work and their own employees who responded to the scene. I think there was another, sorry, bus air and bus at the scene and I think the driver there assisted as well. But hugely um, traumatic for his work colleagues, obviously, and everyone who knows them. And then Bishop of Cork and Ross, Dr. Fintan Gavin, he extended his sympathy to the families of both uh, victims and paid tribute to Father Cronin. Father Cronin was from Kalekill in the Borland Valley outside Bantry and uh, he was ordained in 79. He's uh, a Kiltegan missionary priest and he'd spent 25 years in, um, in Nigeria on the missions before returning to Ireland in 2004 where he promoted missionary work and then he offered himself as a work to the Diocese of Cork and Ross and he settled into parish life in um, the Harbour parishes, as I say, Passage West, Monkstone, Shan Valley and Ringeskay. And uh, Bishop uh, Gavin said he established a warm rapport both pastorally and personally with all those whom he ministered and all who'd come in contact with. And he described him as uh, he'd be remembered for his unique sense of humour and his openness to all people. I went down last night to the... Uh, Impromptu the vigil? Yeah, yeah, it was extraordinary. It really was. There must have been three, four hundred people there in the park in passage. Uh, I presume organised at relatively short notice, a candlelit vigil, people of all ages. Uh, a lot of people spoke. Uh, I was talking to a few people I knew down there afterwards, and they just, he seemed to be an urgent in life character, and he really, really seemed to have endeared himself to people, and they had a great time. There was a woman, uh, she's the sacristan in the Irving in Ring of City, and she was telling a story how, I think the day before, yesterday, maybe even, uh, yeah, the day before yesterday, she met him to Mass, and she had brought her grandson along, a little boy, seven-year-old, Jack O'Driscoll, and Father Con said to him, uh, are you Jack O'Driscoll? Yeah, I have something for you. So he went out to his car, opened up the boot, and brought out a box of chocolates. And he said, I met a man in Douglas yesterday called Santa, and he said, Give that to Jack. <laughs> so he seems to have had an extraordinary way with people. And there's that footage online, people may have seen it, I saw it myself, where he did this floss dance. That's right, we, we covered that in the air some time ago. That was, it was at the Holy Communion in the church, wasn't it? The Holy Communion in the church, and it went viral. And then during the pandemic, he. Uh, he teamed up with this guy, I think Dahi Kelly was his name, they went around interviewing people who couldn't get out and they interviewed ordinary people and more noted people, they interviewed John Spillane and John Spillane sang last night, he sang the Passage West song and uh, another song as well 
It was really powerful last night, I must say. Uh, there was a priest, I, did, I, I came, I, I talked to that at half nine and I got done by ten past, but it was started, so I didn't catch who the speaker was, but he had said he, um, he'd been down to Bantry, to Borland Valley, to break the news to Father Khan's brother, and I think his wife, and he said, uh, Father Khan's brother said to him that Khan had told him recently that he'd never been happier than in the Harbour Parishes and Passage West oh of And he said the reason he was so happy there was because people left him be himself. And I thought that was a really nice tribute to the people of the community there and they turned up last night in, in as I say, three, four hundred at short notice. And genuine sense of sadness and shock and desolation. Devastating there. loss. It was interesting yeah. to see that, like, that the priest could be so part and parcel of their life in a way that I haven't come across too often. I suppose priests tend to come and go and they're moved from parishes. Yeah, but yeah. he really seems to have embedded himself there. And everybody had a good work from There was an Indian man who worked in a nursing home that said uh, he befriended him and uh, I think he was the minister of the Eucharist. And he said, it didn't matter what race, creed, whatever, he welcomed you and took you to, to his heart. And he'd introduced him to other priests. And he said, having met other priests, Father Con wasn't a typical Irish priest, he said. He seems to have been this larger-than-life, gregarious sort of character, you know. So, uh, well, the story of the little there. lad and Santa Claus kind of sums the man up, really, doesn't it? Oh, I thought it was a beautiful story, like, you know, and, and it seems to be sort of so spontaneous, you know, that he had this sort of great nature about him. They said, somebody said, somebody in one of the newspapers said that he, he was a priest for all of the parishes, not just the Catholic community, that he was there for all people, regardless of their creed. You know, yeah, very forward-thinking. I say that this morning, I think. On, Maybe on, that was it, yeah, yeah, That, um, you know, it didn't matter where you were church or not, he just welcomed you as a person and was just saw you as what you are and was uh, just extraordinarily welcoming. And I was talking to somebody else who said he often come down from the altar and sort of talk to people and there was someone else I was talking to. He's, he, their, their wife is a singer. He's, he'd spot her in the church that are you good for a song or a, a hymn later? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he seemed to be quite spontaneous. So, oh, yeah. I know. Um, that's a desperately sad thing for both families. Both families. Okay. Father Con Cronin, at the age of 72. And indeed, let us, as we have done, remember Mark Wills at the age of 51, for he leaves uh, two teenage children behind and will be greatly missed by, obviously, his family and, and all of his colleagues as well. Um, of course, as you say, paramedics were at the scene. They did their very best but both were pronounced were pronounced dead at the scene. I suppose um, um, uh, the community will will take some time to come to terms with it. I'd, I'd imagine that funeral arrangements and all will have to be will have to be thought about and, and worked out, and um, probably be buried with his, with his his family um, down West Cork. I would think. Would you think? I presume. I don't know. The, one of the priests last night made that point that they weren't sure yet what would happen. But yeah. given the turnout they got last night, had a spontaneous thing, and obviously restrictions in terms of church numbers. But I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if people turn out to line the, the road in or the streets in Monkston and Passage whenever his cortege or whatever. You know, just uh, he seems to be held in huge, huge regard. Oh, awful tragedy! A there. terrible tragedy for so many people. Barry, thank you so much for for taking the call this morning. I do appreciate it as as always. Barry Road, Southern Correspondent uh, with the Irish Times. It's absolutely devastating uh, for all those that knew Father Cron Cronin to lose one's life and circumstances like that are just so so sad and tragic. And indeed, uh, I know I've mentioned on a few occasions, but our thoughts are also with. Uh, um, the Wills family, Mark Wills, was 51 uh, from Carrigadine in Ballincollig. And, of course, investigations now will attempt to try and uncover exactly what, 
what happened. But the papers this morning say hero crash priest died saving woman. Father Khan pushes friend out of the way after tragic bus driver suffers a, a heart attack. Uh, this morning the mail says priest died in crash as he saved a woman's life, sacrificing himself by pushing his Paris secretary out of the way before the runaway bus uh, seconds before it uh, fatally struck him. The echo this morning to die in bus, bus crash um, uh, and uh, Colin Kelleher talks about Mark Wills, a fellow balancolic man of course. He says Mark was well known in the village here. He was a gentleman, he was a great soul who always had a smile on his face and I'm thinking about both of their families and friends today as all of us should be. Uh, both um, victims and indeed all of their families and, and friends. The examiner this morning says trauma may have caused bus crash. The star today says, miracle escape in bus horror, teen girl and woman saved as priest and driver both die, both die. It's the front page of, of the star today. Of course, the, what you can't have on a bus is, uh, is, is um, what they have on a train, which is like a dead man's handle. It's all right to have those things on trains because they go in reasonable straight lines. So if there's ever any kind of an issue with the driver, of course, or if the driver collapses or, or, or indeed suffers, say, a heart attack or is in, in some way, um, you know, taken by surprise, the, there's a, a, a handle that they press. So if they let the handle go, the train will stop. You can't have that kind of thing with a public service vehicle like a bus, of course, because the bus needs to needs to be steered. It's, it's, it's so, just so tragic. Uh, there, and I will come back to this later on this morning. And, and Seamus Whelan is down in... Passage West and, and Monkstown this morning, trying to get a sense from people uh, about the about the terrible tragedy and the terrible loss. Uh, other stories making the papers today, though, um, some of them are COVID-related. It's kind of interesting when you look at the numbers of people that are still on a pop payment, over 163,000 of them, and I was just reminded of the amount of money that's been spent on pop. This isn't EWSS grants given given to businesses, but just the pop payment alone now stands at 83 billion in pop and the area with the highest number of people in receipt of pop um is uh, in accommodation and f- the food service sector so that's the one that's that's still highest mind you the papers today also say like the echo is talking about the Vincent de Paul who are saying that they've already received huge amounts of calls and they're expecting an avalanche of requests throughout the month of August from people who they say are families that don't have enough money left to pay for the basic necessities in life uh, in them parting with their uh, allowances early. Um, this is would be the back to st- back to school allowance, which is pittance really in the in the scheme of thing, um, and the crippling expenses that some families are under. Uh, and one of the struggles, of course, across August. If you're wondering why the month of August is because of back to school costs. Papers also today talk about um, you know more and more pressure on on the teaching and the government to allow social clubs or activities for retired groups, older people that they should be allowed to meet indoors uh, from next month, according to uh, the front page of this morning's Independent. And it's an interesting story regarding Catherine Zappone, uh, who got um, uh, a promotion there and a, a handy job there recently. And there was all sorts of questions as to how she was controversially appointed as a special envoy um, uh, where the job wasn't advertised. But uh, the papers this morning online are saying that she hosted um, um, some kind of a function an outdoor function at the Marion Hotel, which was even attended by the Taunishta, 50 friends and, and former colleagues, um, just six days before she was appointed special envoy. Um, and the Irish Hotels Federation were asked to quote on this, uh, where they were talking about this was, this was at a time when 
you know, there would be, I think still is, a maximum of, of six people at, at an event or, or function. So that's an interesting one from overnight. But when you look at, at COVID-19 itself, it's kind of like, I suppose in some ways it's funny and, and, and clearly they are role models and clearly they need to be, um, you know, uh, uh, applauded for the work they did in, you know, developing and getting COVID vaccine vac- vaccinations to market. Um, so the pioneers of those who developed, say, for instance, the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, mo- many of them women, incidentally, they're now going to get a Barbie doll. Um, Mattel have said that Barbie recognizes all frontline workers who have made tremendous sacrifices while confronting the pandemic, but in particular, the role models of the women who developed the vaccines, which is probably in one way a great idea. Mind you, I imagine that Mattel are probably doing it uh, for commercial reasons. I don't see anything in the in the articles that I read this morning about Barbie dolls uh, for the uh, virologists where any of the money is going to be given to charity. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I suppose it's a commercial thing. And, and New York has very much changed its mind with regards to uh, whether or not, you know, you could go into a pub or a restaurant, whether you're vaccinated or not, because my understanding of it up until now was that everyone was welcome. Uh, but apparently they changed now that in New York now in a bar or a restaurant or going to the gym or going to the cinema or whatever, you will have to prove that you had a You've had a COVID-19 vaccine. So it's a bit of a change in that regard. And then, you know, with regards to communions and confirmations, and I'm somewhat out of the loop here, but I don't believe there's any priests or cork bishops saying, and I'm open to correction on this, that um, they're going to go plough ahead with communions and confirmations. There's about a half a dozen around the country who have said they will. I think it's five bishops now said they will allow their parishes to offer the sacraments uh, of communion and confirmations. But the papers talk of, of those this morning. I mean, if there is any change in Cork, do let me know. Uh, and a little later on this morning, in fact, Barry Roach is going there this morning and I hope to talk to him on it this morning, uh, tomorrow morning. The inquest into the uh, uh, murder-suicide um, in Mallow, in Mallow Courthouse this morning, it starts, the inquest starts this morning and it's into the deaths of Tygo Sullivan and his sons Dermot and Mark. That plague takes place today, so we will cover that uh, on tomorrow's program, of course, very sadly and, and tragically, sometime after that, Ma'am Anne died earlier this year after an illness. Now, she was spared death when um, her husband and her young son, Dermot, uh, and Mark were, were all killed. Mark was originally killed in his bedroom and then the um, suicide pact between father and son afterwards. So that's a story that makes the, the, um, ex- the echo today. And then there's a lot of lovely stories that I'm seeing over the past couple of days on Side of outdoor music events and drama events and gigs that are going to be happening in the coming weeks. Some lovely coverage of it, particularly in the Echo today. In fact, they're planning 120 live gigs for Cork, apparently. Uh, much of it, um, you know, obviously outdoors, but theatre, trad, spoken word, rock, classical, opera. A lot of it is happening in, in places like Fitzgerald's Park, but not just Fitzgerald's Park. Uh, you know, the Glen River Park as well, Balancholic Park, the Balancholic Regional Park. Things like that. So I may come back to that a little late, later on this morning and just give you an idea, a sense as to how we're opening up outdoors with regards to entertainment. I know that our own Stevie G has a humdinger of a gig planned uh, for Fitzgerald's Park. He might be the go-to guy to talk to, actually. Give us an idea as to what kind of gigs are planned across the month uh, of August. Anybody watching the Olympics? I love the, the horse jumping or the equestrian and stuff like that. Um, and I was watching it yesterday. I was kind of interested to see the the jumps because some, they're they're very kind of Japanesey arty kind of stuff and 
very, very colourful. I was saying, I was thinking to myself, wow, they're very different drums. So I was amazed to see that there's a sumo statue, apparently, uh, a life-size statue of a sumo wrestler next to the 10th obstacle in the Olympic equestrian course. So the fence, the 10th tenth, the tenth fence, apparently, has this big sumo character guy. And it's scaring the horse. It's scaring the horses, apparently. Um, I don't know whether they have any amounts of uh, uh, research as to how many horses are knocking down the fence with the sumo wrestler, but apparently they're spooked by him. And you remember Wally the Walrus? He was around. He was first spotted down Valencia Way last March. He's been on his holidays all over the place. This giant, massive walrus. They were trying to tell us at the time that he was sick. He's far from sick or dying because he's been in France. He's been in Spain. He's been in Wales. He spent six weeks on the Cornish coast. He was over in the Isles of Scilly. And he's been spotted again down in Waterford. So he's back in Irish waters again. Probably on his way back to Greenland, I suppose. And one other fish story. Apparently, scientists in a lab have come up with fake fish fingers that they claim are just as good as the real McCoy, the bird's eye. Yeah? They figure that uh, you wouldn't know the difference. But apparently, fish finger fans uh, have given the two fingers uh, to those who want to replace the tea time favorite with a lab-made fake fish finger. Some things you just can't mess with. Now, a fish finger is all very well pan-fried. You can't grill them. you got to pan-fry them. Um, and that's fine. But have you ever got batch bread or a good cutty loaf, right? And butter and tomato ketchup and pan-fried fish fingers and put them all together in a sandwich. I mean, have you ever in your life tasted anything as beautiful? Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Staying with that tragic story out of uh, Monkstown from yesterday afternoon where Mark Wills, the age of 51 from Baron College, lost his life behind the wheel. And indeed, uh, Father Con Cronin at the age of 72 was hit by the bus. He very bravely and heroically pushed his sacristan colleague out of the way and saved her life. Um, and I think Barry Roach told a beautiful story this morning of the mark of the man, uh, Father Khan, going out to the boot of the car, uh, getting the box of sweets, giving it to the lad and said that Santa Claus, um, he met Santa Claus in Douglas. Uh, I'd say that the whole of Passage and Monkstown and the surrounding areas has lots of stories like that about Father Khan. Eamon Downey is the chair of the Harbour Parish Council. He joins me by phone. Eamon, good morning. And and I would think actually at this stage that many of those kind of stories are being told around the community. Are they, Eamon? They certainly are. I did a, I did a video uh, with Conan Dahi Kelly recently, and in the car park when we were saying goodbye, he said, "I have something for you." And he went over and he brought over what he said was a bottle of holy water, which turned out to be a bottle of white wine. He was <laughs> Neil. He was he was about six foot three, about twenty stone. And within the church, he was the most marvellous orator and the most spiritual man. And outside of the church, he was a Christian rogue. He was full of fun. He was he was larger than life, truly larger than life, and a fantastic man. We were blessed 
to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems to really have had the community at heart. It's a wonder with his size and his stature and his demeanour and his and his humour yeah. that you didn't didn't dress him up as Santa Claus every year. I'd say he'd have gone for that too. <laughs> he, he certainly would. He certainly would. But we have we have a beautiful message put up by Father Sean, our parish priest. He put it up on the website this morning, and he describes him, him beautifully. Uh, and one of the things he said was that part of Khan's success was the fact that he included us in his life. Uh, for example, he had no problem discussing how COVID affected him mentally and that he really didn't enjoy it. He had no problem sharing personal thoughts. Uh, he was like he was a man of great devotion and spirituality and every Mass he pointed to the crucifix. He said, that's my man. Every Mass we said good morning to Our Lady and then every second or third Mass he asked us to pray for prisoners. So I, I said it to him back in the, the one day. I said, "Can I could be nervous perhaps in the company of prisoners. And he said, you shouldn't be. He said, they live shocking, shocking lives and they've made mistakes and we should pray for them. Mm-hmm. So it was one of his little quirks of Christianity that he had a special growth. Well, it's it's an example of his compassion, isn't it? That's right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And you know, when you meet somebody very physically big, sometimes you might be a little bit in awe. And I suppose I'm breaking rules here now, but he had no problem giving hugs. And uh, he was, he was, he could read people very quickly. He loved to know names. And like us all, as we got older, he sometimes would forget. And he'd say, who's that? What's that man's name again? But there was a comment made, I don't know, was it Tess or one of the people who was speaking made about about um, uh, his physical presence at, at Mass. So we have four churches in the Harbour Parishes. We have a little oratory down in Ringeskiddy. And if you're fortunate enough, you'll get down there someday. There might be 15 or 20 or 25 people. And Colin would come off the altar. And he'd ask what we thought of his garments. He'd address people individually. He asked what you thought about the sermon. Or he didn't talk about the sermon at all. Because before every Mass, he was up to speed with world news. And he would he was human and he was, as you said, compassion. And if there was a problem in Afghanistan or Israel or wherever, he would bring that into the prayers of the faithful or at some stage during his chat. And his masses were very short and quick because he was uh, he wanted us to move on and get on with our lives. But he challenged us and he uh, comforted us. He was a, a great man. But the saddest bit, like the, the family of Mr. Will's, God bless them. What are they going through this morning? Yes. Hans family in Bantry. But the hardest part for me yesterday was I spoke with Father Sean, our par- parish priest, because we all live in lives with, with, with different family setups than priests do. And Father Sean was on his way out to Khan's family, and Father Sean was brokenhearted. Yeah. I found that terribly moving, terribly sad, because priests are very tough, sometimes very lonely lives. Yeah, very very lonely lives, for sure. But there was also a very, I mean, there were different aspects to Khan's life. He, he liked a jar, didn't he? He liked hanging out. He no. loved a, a sociable Absol- pint. Absolutely. And he would move around. Uh, when he was out, he would move around 
from one bar to the other. You could find him in Monkstown or you could find him in Shanbelly. And he would only sit at the bar because he wanted a company of people and he wanted to engage and he wanted to find out what was going on and he wanted to know how was your life and is everything good with you. And again, going back to his physicality. You know, just on that point, just before you go on, but that's an amazing point to make because with all of the criticism we've had of the church and the Catholic church, you know, over the, mm-hmm. the, the, the years, like this is an example of somebody who actually kind of rolled his sleeves up. Okay, he he was a priest, but he was a lot more than a priest. He was of the people, for the people, visiting the people, interacting with the people, regardless of whether they had their faith or not. Um, in spite of all of the criticisms of the church, this was somebody whose whole life was just about just doing good. That's right. That's right. That's right. But what, like, when, 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 when we all get, if we get a chance to look back at our own lives to say, what did you do? Were you a good footballer, a good singer, a good broadcaster, yeah. or whatever? And these things are all very important. But can you imagine? I don't think you think the pearly gates were closed last night when he went up. I would say they were wide open, waiting for him. He marched through that. What a life he had! Exactly as you described, he was part of the community. He made a decision, and interestingly, Neil. His decision to enter the religious uh, order uh, in Kiltegan was delayed for a number of years because his poor mother had a stroke and he delayed joining. Because of that, he stayed at home with her. So uh, he was clearly had a calling to serve God in the community from a very, very early age. And then to go to Africa, he regularly brought African priests home to us. And he made them feel very, very comfortable. He would bring them on the altar. He would joke about our difficulty in pronouncing some of their names and would embrace the obvious, you know, the elephant in the room. He would, he would, he would discuss in a kind Christian way the color of the priest. And he would just, not, not in a, uh, an unfriendly way, yeah. but in a factual, warm, welcoming way, addressing things and bringing them in. And the same thing with the challenges we have. He had huge concerns and thoughts about the problems with the church. He was aware of the problems. He did want forgiveness. He really wanted forgiveness as we forgive each other for all the different things. He, he prayed that someday there would be forgiveness for the, for the very, very many mistakes of our church. And um, please, it'll come around as well. But yeah, but I mean, for, for him as, as an individual, he, you know, he... You know, he 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 was very much aware of that. I read in one of the newspapers this morning that he addressed that, that he said there would be situations where he, you know, maybe wouldn't want to be wearing uh, his priestly robes or you know, to be out in public because he was called names. He was, he was. And, and, and that was clearly the wrong man to be calling names. Yes, yes, yeah, of course it was. Of course it was. But then like any group, like any organization, it's an imperfect world we live in. But it is unfortunate that a man who devoted his life to the church felt that he had to, you know, not identify sometimes because of, of fear of being called abuse. I would think he didn't have any physical fears because a man who served as he did in, in, yeah. in Africa was a brave and courageous man. But I'd say he didn't want to be upsetting others, you know. When you that say brave thinking. and courageous and there's speculation in the papers that he may well have saved a life by, by pushing his sacristan, I, I won't dwell yeah. on it too much because we don't know, but would that be the mark of the man? 
Oh, very, very much so, very much so. But, but uh, that's something you can't plan. That's a natural and spontaneous reaction. It was Cathy Concannon, our parish secretary, and uh, they were coming from lunch in the boat, and he pushed her out of the way to save her life. And, and uh, that, 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 that would be just the nature of the man. It would be within him. What, what's oh, your immediate reaction when danger comes, you know? Everybody so, is shook and shocked after that. Ah, uh, yes, yes, absolutely. And, and they are the words. And hurt, you know that terrible hurt, Neil, when, when you lose somebody you love, that actual physical pain in your heart so that's there still but that will ease because we haven't look at we haven't we will plan how we we're going to remember him but over the next little while now we'll pray for him and we'll pray for Mr. Wills' family and we'll pray for Father Sean and everybody all the priests and all those in Kiltegan who are, are, are obviously broken hearted over it well you know? said well said Eamon thank you so much for taking the call that, love, that lovely tribute take care of yourself thank you. lovely you. tribute to Father Con Cronin at the age of 72 Donegal Lyris the Sinn Féin TD uh, for the area in fact knew Father Con very well Donegal good morning Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, this this is a man who you obviously you know bumped into on many occasions uh, down in the area, larger than than life character, full of stories and crack. Is that right? Yeah. Look, I mean, I think the the phrase "larger than life" keeps coming up to tribute to him because he was just such a visible presence in, in Passage and in Monkstown, and I think. You know, anyone who knew the area would have been familiar with him. He was at everything, whether it was coffee mornings or fundraisers or a gata or whatever. He was always at it. He was always cheerful, taking his time. You know, he, he was never in a rush anywhere because he, he wanted to stop and talk to, the, to, to, to his parishioners, to the community as a whole. He talked to anyone, young and old. Uh, and like just the sadness and passage is so is so palpable and in, and amongst them is so palpable and I look I mean I suppose I, it's important as well that Mark Willis isn't lost in this either no, and I really my condolences yeah. to, to him and to his family a huge loss there I didn't know him but by all accounts uh, a fine man as well um, but you know the, the, the loss the sense of loss and passage he was beloved by the community and like you touched yourself there Neil you know, like the some of the, I suppose, controversies relating to the church. But I suppose, you know, on the ground, while we make the others of the headlines, it's priests like Father Khan uh, that, that I think people really do respect, that there are good priests. Oh, no, and he said that, actually. He said, it yeah. did happen. I know it happened. I wasn't one of them. It was not me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the point I'm making is that people like him, I think, were a credit to the organization that they belong to. There are many others like him, but he was a truly fine man that was loved by the people of his parish. And I say that, and I emphasize that he was loved. He wasn't just liked and well-regarded. He was loved, and people are, are really terribly sad, and there's young and old in that, uh, and people from all backgrounds, and there's people new to passage, and people who were there a long time, and he would have been very well-regarded. And he, just a very social man, a very social and sociable man, uh, and it's a huge loss and a desperate tragedy. And it seems like, I mean, I suppose, you know, it's in some of the papers that the, the manner in which he, he may have saved the life. And I think, like the previous person said, that would be a mark of the man. He was, he was truly remarkable and he's an extraordinary loss. And yeah. it is a desperate tragedy. There's just no other word for it. Yes, yeah. And, and, and that was evident last night at the spontaneous, uh, candlelit vigil and prayers, of course, in, in Passage Park last night. Wasn't that right? Yeah. That's right, and there was a huge crowd, and just you can, you can just see, and from everyone, everything everyone is saying in the conversation, he was just so well regarded. People were immensely fond of him, and like I say, he was such he was such good crack. Like I mean, I suppose the 
you know, he went viral there a few years ago doing the floss there as I, I think it was as a communion or a That's right. A it was the first Holy Communion for yeah. the kids of but second I, I, class I, from Star of the Sea. <laughs> I, 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 uh, no, I, I saw it on, online before I heard that about it. I texted somebody from passage. I said, that's Paul the Conch. He said, it is indeed, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he just, I like that that would be the way of him too, like, and that he'd, you know, go over his way to find out what's the crack at the minute, like, what are the young people in terms, or how can I, how can I get a bit of a laugh about them? And I, like, I'm, I think he was at the open of the men's shed there too, and he gave, uh, Almost an oration on the catering and waxing lyrical abolers and sort of all the women who put the others were, were blushing and laughing at it. Um, he was, he was, he was, he just had a great way of connecting with people. And look, I mean, I suppose m- most people would know him for his time and passage, but he gave many years service to the missions in Nigeria right. as well. And, right. uh, I'm sure he did remarkable work there too. And uh, he was interested in the world too, and you knew from talk in terms that he, he was interested in people and places and indeed politics and history too, but um, but very interested in the world. Okay, a terrible, a terrible loss. Donica, thanks for taking the call. Lovely tribute to the late, uh, late father, Con Cronin. Terrible loss to the world and much loved by the young uh, and old. And again, as Donica correctly said, we also pass on our, our sympathies to uh, the Wills family um, because, of course, they also lost uh, a dad, a husband, uh, a son. Uh, and it's just sometimes world, words failure when you hear of a story like that. I was, I heard of Stefan and I said, oh, oh my God. I mean, how can something like that happen? It's just so awful. Sad for everybody involved. Lines open 1-850-104-106. Uh, I will come back to texts on this throughout the course of the morning. Come back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Um, there was a tragedy averted then over the weekend. I believe this happened, uh, I don't know whether it was uh, in the, yeah, it was very, very early on Friday morning, around about half five, uh, 20 to six. I'm talking about a fire, a house fire at Bride Valley Park in Fair Hill in the early hours of the morning. Um, it could have been uh, a very, very different story we're reporting on this morning. I'm joined by phone by uh, by Sean Murphy, whose son actually uh, were, were actually in the house at the time. Sean, good morning. Hi, Neil. What happened? Well, basically, there was a tumble drawer went on fire. The fire was only about four weeks earlier, locally. and A, t- a four-week-old tumble dryer, you're saying, is it? A tumble dryer, yeah. Okay. New, the new dryer, yeah. Okay. So, basically, my son decided to dry some clothes... And he was there with his friend on his own in the house, both of them on their own. And they were walking, which is why he really rang in. I want to thank the neighbours that kept banging down the door and woke them up. We could be talking about two fatalities. And as well, I also want to thank the fire service. That is, I mean, they do a great job. They need to be thanked for what they do to put their lives in danger. Not alone for fires, but a lot of other things, you know. So this is in the early hours of Friday morning. Probably put on yeah, a tumble dryer overnight, went to sleep. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah they, they put on the tumble dryer and maybe they went upstairs maybe half an hour later or so. According to my son, it wasn't done that long. But the tumble dryer went up in flames. The kitchen is totally destroyed. The rest of the house is basically smoke damage. Your son so got out, did he? But the other chap... Had to be had to be rescued. Is that the case? Yeah, my son was able to get out of the house, or they had to put on the fire service. Had to put on 
breathing apparatus, everything to get in there, and the other boy had to be resuscitated. Was there three of them there? No, there was two of them there. Okay, so wanted to be resuscitated. This was the man in his 30s, apparently, is that right? Yeah, well, he was in, he was just, he was just in his early 30s. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and was it the neighbours banging on the door? There wasn't, a, there wasn't a smoke alarm went off or anything like that, no? Well, you see, I don't know. Um, as obviously, it wasn't there. So yeah. Obviously, smoke alarms would have gone off. And there must have been someone to sleep. Didn't hear anything. But was the neighbours banging on the door, which is what I want to thank. They basically saved their lives as well. I mean, you could be talking two fatalities. Yeah. If just if some, some, some more time had gone by before... The fire service came. Well, you could be unconscious happened. from you could be unconscious from inhaling smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you be unconscious from inhaling the, those noxious fumes. Correct. The stuff yeah. that would actually kill you. You drift off into a, a deeper sleep. Carbon monoxide and what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they both okay? They're both fine. Yeah, yeah. My son is done with. I live in Mallow. My son is done with me. And my ex-wife and her daughter are living with their aunt. The other boy is back home. He's out of hospital. He was in hospital for a fairly long time. They had to work on him, get everything sorted with him, you know. So they're both okay, thankfully. We could be talking two fatalities. So the Cork City Fire Brigade got them out and then ultimately yeah. got the fire under control? Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. You know, this isn't the first time I've covered stories on the air regarding tumble dryers. That's right, yeah. I want not in the particular make, a model and thing, but 17 of these particular dryers have gone up in flames. And have you only heard that recently since it happened, about these 17 different ones? I, well, when this happened, as I went online looking about this dryer, I found the make and model number, and from the, the producers of this particular dryer, there have been 17 so far that have burst into flames. And have you any reason, have you any idea as to why they're bursting into flames? Well, I have no idea. I've had not been an engineer or anything, you know. But has anybody anything said like online that they're a danger for a particular reason? That they yeah, clearly yeah. overheat or something? They can overheat, yeah. Because I remember the last time we... Sorry, go on. The only thing I can think of with dryers is that if they haven't been cleaned out properly, but the ex-wife is one, that's very particular about having everything spotless, you know, so that would have been definitely cleaned out regularly. And, you know, so I don't see that would be the reason. So basically, I went to the place that was bought yesterday and I was asked, would I bring the dryer down to them? Put Absolutely. the bottom dryer on the back of the car and bring it down to them. Abs- are you going to do that? No, I'm going to wait for an engineer's report, first of all. Absolutely. Because there was, when I was dealing with this on the air some months back, another fire that was started by a smoke by um, a tumble dryer in Cork, one of the things that we were been told at the time, I think it might have been by Cork City Fire Brigade, it might have been Victor Shine said it, is that you should never run a tumble dryer overnight when you're asleep. They can be potentially deadly. Yeah, yeah. You know, when they're when they're not, you know, when you're asleep and you're not keeping an eye on them, because yeah, the, inten- yeah, the intensity. I mean, but when you buy a product that's designed to dry clothes, should you need to be sitting no. there watching that particular product? No, you should While it's doing its job. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Definitely okay, not. okay. But anyway, uh, well done to all of the local community who spotted the smoke and the quick action of the fire brigade. That's what you wanted to that's say. Right, yeah. The fire brigade, fire service, definitely. I mean, those men and women put their lives at risk to save others. And basically, the neighbours as well that came, they could have been inhaling smoke as well. It wouldn't like anybody to be in danger. But as a, as a dad, you must be very relieved, though. Oh, of course. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's my, my daughter rang me and told me her son was in the CUH. Of course, you think the worst straight away. God almighty. Oh, my God. 
Well, yeah. thank God everybody's well and they'll make a full recovery. Nice one. Yeah. Listen, thanks for taking the call. Do appreciate thank it. You, Cheers, Sean. Take care. Thanks Take a lot. Again, you just can't be too careful with tumble dryers. I'll do a little bit more work on tumble dryers when I get off the air a little later on and see where the problems might be. Or what you know, I know, I know they did say that there's lint that it, they, you know, that you can clothes give off lint, which is which is fabric over time, and there is kind of a lint filter that needs to be cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. But you would think that, in spite of maybe not even cleaning them as often as you should. That they shouldn't be going up on fire, in fire and on fire. And I'll also try and work out which which models seem to be the more problematic. Lies open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Somebody texting here this morning. Are you not going to cover anything regarding the owner of the silver key and the comments made regarding the EWSS payments? It seems as if nobody seems to be mentioning it, or maybe it's too upper class uh, for criticism. A story. It's it's far from too upper class. For any kind of criticism, I know uh, of the story over the past four or five days out of the Silver Key. Uh, and I know that um, it was posted online. I think we posted a story on it over the weekend. I think maybe Cork Bio did as well, the examiner also. Um, I, I am aware of it and I've seen a lot of people commenting it, commenting on it, particularly on my own Twitter and, and Facebook page over the f- past four or five days. Uh, I will be coming back to that a little later on this morning. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Red FM. How's about a visit to Photo Wildlife Park, Ireland's wildest attraction? And right across the week, the lads have been giving away more family passes. Each family pass entitles two adults and two kids, one adult and three kids, whatever works for you, for great out with your own little monkeys at Photo Wildlife Park. So I know the whole idea of this is to get you to do and display your singing talents along to uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, particularly with regards to hitting the high notes. It was a big hit for the tokens, then Tight Fit did a great version of it. And of course, they got revitalized big time with Timon and Pumba, I think, wasn't it? Were they warthogs? Or at least one of them was from The Lion King. Boy, I love that movie. I mean, we just wore out the video watching that when the kids were small. So we'll open the phone lines on that a little later on this morning. Start loosening up the tonsils and good luck to you on that. Lines open, 1850-104-106. Pick up the phone or us text 868 which is exactly what Philomena did, but she joins me by phone. Philomena, good morning. Hi, Neil. Can you hear me? I can, I'm loud and clear. No, you know, okay. where, where are you, Philomena? I'm in Ladies Bridge. Good for you. Now, tumble dryers, deadly or what? Deadly. Yeah. Well, it depends where the situation is. Now, years ago in East Cork, there was a fire in a nursing home. And I was very friendly with the firemen who, I'm going back 20 odd years, and I had a chat with him about it, you know. And he said, the worst place you could have a tumble dryer is in under a counter. He said, what caused the fire was the cobwebs and the dust and the fluff that built up behind the tumble dryer. So since but they're then, all I, built in, aren't they? Ours no, is built in. No. 
no, no, I have a freestanding tumble dryer by my back door. And every now and again, I pull it out and I hoover behind it. It's very important to pull them out and come take all that dust and cobwebs that built up behind them. He reckoned that was one of the causes of the fire. And was but there a tragedy after that fire in the nursing no, home? No, no, there wasn't. But they were all moved into a hotel um, overnight. But no, there wasn't. There was no tragedy. But he reckoned it was the tumble dryers. That was the cause of the fire. So what I'm saying to people is, check behind your tumble dryers. He recommended tumble dryers should be out in sheds. Now, not everybody can have a shed, but mine is in... Now, you wouldn't... I mean, not everybody wants to be traipsing in and out in the rain and what have you, you know? Kind of defeats the purpose of drying stuff. tumble dryer is standing freelance in the kitchen. Gotcha, gotcha. I will not put it in under under a, um, a unit, no. No, I have my washing machine there, but my tumble dryer is freestanding. And it's just making people aware to check behind their tumble dryers. If they have them under counters, pull them out, give a good hoover and a good clean behind them every now and again. Good for you. Thanks, Philomena. Appreciate it. This is not the first time I've been talking about uh, tragedies or indeed fires regarding uh, tumble dryers and, and other appliances. Another one of them can be cheap, um, crappy um, uh, phone chargers that, that people use that can also overheat. But let's go straight to the experts. Second officer Vin- Victor Shine was mentioned on the air by me just before 10 this morning. He joins me by phone. Victor, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely, Neil. Okay, just on that point that Philomena made there, because tumble dryers and, and washing machines are usually built in, either next to each other or on top of each other. Is that a hazard where they're built in? Um, generally, tumble dryers have various designs. You can have um, vented tumble dryers with holes going out through the, the building or condenser dryers, which gives you freedom of location. As you're saying, it could be built into, um, uh, built into kitchens and so on or into utility rooms. So it's a selection of the type of machine that you're going to put into the location is very important. And you take expert advice from your suppliers for that type of information. Okay, just move around a little bit there, Victor. It's not a great phone line. Most of the tumble dryers that I know of are the condenser ones where the water is trapped and then you dispose of the water down the sink. Yeah, so they don't have any. That's your, your, your condenser dryer, okay, which is one of the more modern types of systems. But if you take a unit like a tumble dryer um, that creates huge amounts of heat where it is built in and surrounded with very little ventilation, surely um, surely that should be looked at with regards to health and safety in the home that they should be freestanding. Yeah, the manufacturers would have designed into ventilating systems that if the the installer of your uh, condenser dryers, your as you're speaking about, has appropriate uh, airspace or air gaps around your system um, and installed correctly, they should work absolutely fine. Okay, you you have a bigger issue with overloading, do you? That's correct. the The most common um, uh, fire type situation that we get is the machine not being used. Uh, according to the manufacturer's guidelines. So if you're buying a machine to do a, a 6 kg loader, a 9 kg loader, whatever the, the, the waste that you're going to put in, um, it should be strictly kept to the, the, the specifications of the manufacturer. But uh, you know yourself during the winter time when there's poor drying outside that um, uh, people are inclined to put in that little bit more, especially if you have large families, and um, you don't have the ability for the machine to vent correctly and uh, draw the air off. So you will get that additional buildup of heat in the drum. And uh, one of the big particular problems, as one of your listeners said, was the accumulation of lint 
around the machine, either in the machine or in the filter of the machine as well. So pretty much after each tumble drying cycle, that filter should be cleaned out and so that you have good circulation of air again, so that you don't have the uh, quantities of heat developing in the tumble dryer itself. Okay, so with overloading it, it's putting pressure on the machine, it overheats. That That is operator error then, is it? Quite often, it is an operator error that uh, we come across as, as part of the thing. Now, there are manufacturer errors as well. There's no manufacturer 110% perfect. But what we're seeing over the last number of years is the quality of machines and the safety features in the machines are exceptionally good. And the, the amount of fires that we're attending from uh, white goods uh, going on fire in the domestic environment it's quite rare now. It, it's not a common occurrence. But anymore. hang on a second, I'll be, just before I deal with that, shouldn't a machine just trip out? Shouldn't there be a sensor to pick up um, a temperature increase like that, and it just should shut down, not go on fire? Yeah, you would, you would, you would, um, you would presume that there are some safety features built in, and again, on the quality of machine, I'm sure that the manufacturers would have these systems built into. Um, various machines. Okay. I I'll have, I'll, particular no, I'll, I'll have a look at the particular ones that seem to be causing problems a little little later on. In fact, somebody says here, name the types of dryers for God's sake. Why not? I had a Beco dryer go up in flames back in 2012 and it was only six weeks old. I was told by the engineer at the time it was a capacitor that went on fire. A capacitor. So that would seem to be a design or a build fault in that regard with that caller. Yeah. Um, yeah. You would you would see a lot of, of, sorry, a number of recalls from manufacturers from various faults that would show up and we would feed back into those systems as well. You know that if we, if we see an issue from our fire prevention side to our firefighting side of the department here, that we can report back as well to manufacturers or to companies and they can review various issues. Did but you it s- is a rarity now. Did you say that, the, there w- yeah, you said that there has been a drop in the amount of um, call-outs for electrical fires, has there? It's a, a substantial reduction in calls to the, the white goods uh, going on fire. Um, and would tumble dryers be the number one or was it a dodgy phone charger? I had a friend of mine whose entire apartment was burnt down by a dodgy phone charger. It, it varies anything from your um, different types of battery systems without going into a particular model or anything like that. But um, when systems aren't being used, they should be plugged out. Same with your tumble dryers, same with any um, of your domestic appliances, including your TVs at night. They all um, are powered up if they are plugged in, even when you put them on standby mode. They have a power supply going in and there is there is a potential risk of something going wrong. Okay. And that includes your phone chargers, your laptop computers, and so on. And everybody will know when you're charging systems and, and it perhaps it's sitting on your lap or whatever, you can feel that amount of heat generating from the particular types of batteries. That, um, Nothing creates as much heat besides an oven as a tumble dryer, however. What about candles? Exactly. Are they a problem? They can be. Again, the candles, particularly um, the occurrences come up around the, the, the festive times, the Christmas times and so on. Uh, so locations of candles um, near flammable materials, curtains, for example, or even clothing can be uh, problematic. Um, just one or two other things as well that my friend and colleagues here was were suggesting is the location of the tumble dryers, particularly with accommodation and temporary accommodation, storing of um, white good equipment, including tumble dryers under stairs, would be frowned upon as well because, as you said yourself, it has to have appropriate ventilation and so on, and that is in view 
of um, people when it's when it's in operation. They are so right because by and large, a tumble dryer and a washing machine. Um, if somebody has a, a utility room, it's usually very small. It's a confined space. Space is at a premium, so they are all built in. Um, under very, I, I think actually people should relook at that. I, I think that I may well look, relook at it because it, it seems as if the ventilation wouldn't be in a small closed utility room where a machine has very little room to breathe. That's what your people are saying. Yeah. So, uh, appropriate ventilation, uh, the machine is designed to be in its appropriate location. That's whether it's a condenser dryer or a vented dryer where they, the pipe is going out through the, the wall of the house or the apartment. Uh, the hoses aren't kinked in any way. And again, uh, with the vented systems, and there are a couple of indications that would tell you that it's not ventilating correctly with the little louver valves that are vents that you see on the outside of the wall. If they're not opening fully during the operation cycle, it means that the airflow through the machine isn't adequate. So okay. there's something blocking it up from okay. overload or lint build up in the filter. Did you say, this just finally on this point, did you say that you should never run a tumble dryer and go to bed? Um, it would be preferable that people would be aware of what the machine is doing at a particular time. But again, um, we all know that people will run the things when they're not in the house and so on. But you need to have appropriate um, fire protection as well for that. So smoke alarms or heat detectors in appropriate locations. So, in fact, uh, you shouldn't be running any electrical equipment when you're going to sleep, really, should you? It will be safe enough. To. That's why you, we would suggest that you plug out your TVs, you plug out your computers, anything that will be typically charging. That's, um, you know, that it reduces your risk sig- significantly. Okay. Okay. But again, your most early warning for a hazardous situation would be your smoke detector. And you can up the number of smoke detectors. There's a minimum number that would be recommended two in a two story house, one on the ground floor, one on the first floor. And that can be increased then if you felt that you wanted additional protection. And of course, the best would be one in each room. Um, but their smoke detectors, they're not, you also would need a carbon monoxide monitor, wouldn't you? Anywhere or do they do the same job? A carbon monoxide detector will detect anything where um, you have the presence of an open flame. So your uh, your uh, gas heaters, your solid fuel stoves, your open fires, uh, the super heaters, the paraffin heaters and so on, that will give off carbon monoxide. Is That is your number one protection for that type okay. of uh, okay. situation. Well, uh, the gentleman that on the air before 10 o'clock wanted to thank uh, the Fire Brigade, Cork City Fire Brigade, for the quick response, saving two lives following that um, 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 tumble dryer that went on fire and one lad was unconscious and you guys had to rescue him. You know, you're obviously across that story, I'm sure. That's correct, yes. We've done some reports on that, that the, the gentleman was very lucky to be taken out of the, the house and um, ourselves and National Ambulance Service were able to um, just give him oxygen and treat any of his uh, smoke inhalation issues. Well done. Well, they're very grateful. And, and I'd like to thank him for his uh, for his gratitude as well. You are often we get thanked. Yeah, so thank well, you very it's much important that you should. Uh, Victor, um, were you were was was Cork called out to the tragedy in in Monkstown? I wonder yesterday, Father Con Cronin and Mark. We were indeed. I was actually down there myself. Unfortunately, uh, it was a sad scene. Yeah, yeah. but um, it, it could have been uh, it could have been an awful lot worse. You know, because it was a driver. Bu- it was busy. The at the driver, time. whatever happened, um, you know, managed to steer away from any large numbers of people because 
the area it was can be very crowded as you're aware of the, the location. That's right. The, uh, the, sadly, it's so. tragic. The bus did veer right. If it had veered left, there was a couple of dozen people. Yeah, yeah there, there, it could have been far worse. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so our yes. sympathies go to the families of both people, by the way. Well. Thank you so much for taking the call this morning, as always. Second Officer uh, Victor Shine. Um, might well come back to Tumble Dryers in the morning. He'll do a little bit of work on it. I mean, it's food for thought for all of us, really, you know, to avoid a tragedy like almost happened in Cork at the weekend, around about 20 to 6 in the morning. Um, again, um, ventilation is very important, but remember the point there about overloading. I suppose we all attempt to try and cram that little bit more extra into them. But if they can't turn properly, firstly, you'll never dry the bloody stuff. It'll come out wet anyway. And secondly, of course, is putting more pressure on the machine. And that leads to overheating. Um, interesting text. A car went up on fire in Farnry last week while the man was driving it. The couple in it could smell burning coming through the car. They stopped and the driver lifted the bonnet. And it started to smoke within minutes. It caught fire. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Thank you for that text. It uh, has similarities and reminds me, of course, of the incident that happened at uh, Douglas Village Shopping Centre, the car park, some years back. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh, very interestingly, with regards to uh, Catherine Zappone, this is a lead story now making the online sections of the newspapers this morning where she had 50 friends and former colleagues, including the Taoiseach at um, some kind of a, a function in the Marion Hotel. It's a very swanky hotel. 50 people, former colleagues at a private outdoor function in the Marion, attended by the Taoiseach and we know that she was controversially appointed uh, as a special envoy. Um, the Irish Hotels Federation uh, came out and said that uh, organised events indoors and outdoors are not permitted unless it's an outdoor wedding or you know, training or educational program, but certainly not not sitting around at different tables. She had the party in the five star hotel. Uh, Fifty of them were seated separately at uh, tables of six at the Marion Hotel's garden terrace. I mean, that must have cost a, a pretty penny, if if nothing else. That prompted um, an email from a photographer who said, "I'm a photographer, and I've been in a number of hotels in the past few weeks for weddings, and in the hotels I have been in, he says, I no hotel I came across is sticking to the guidelines at all, which is to have a photographer." and a meal with no music or anything only for, say, the wedding ceremony. Uh, Some hotels are allowing 100 guests, DJs, bands, photo booths, candy carts, dance floors, the works in the past few weeks. Now, he goes on then to mention different hotels in different county towns and what have you. I'm not going to mention them because I can't stand over the accuracy of it, but uh, he says, you can do anything you want at the hotels. They're closed off to the public. They are right in doing this, but I want to highlight it to the rest of the hotels. They're only guidelines. It's not the Gardee hotels are afraid of. It's the HSA who will shut them down. Um, I think I heard there recently that any of those HSE expe- uh, HSA expe- uh, inspectors or inspections is only nine to five, that they don't work after five, after five. But anyway, and he says, there's hotels putting 50 patrons into a room, divided, and another set of 50 in another room, linked by video for the bride and groom, and they have a surround sound sound system. Then you have a hotel that allows candy tables. Um, most hotels have a playlist on Spotify in the background as music is played all day and all night. What's the difference with a DJ on a stage with a DJ table boxed off with protective screens. 
And he says, hotels are allowed uh, dance floors. They're allowed to lay wooden floors, which are f- supposedly for the first dance only. But when people have drinks in and the music is blasting, everybody's dancing and no security is stopping them. I pass that on for what it's worth. And that's from a photographer who's been in a number of hotels in the past few weeks for various weddings. Um, Text 0868104106 for your thoughts on that. Um, And somebody did mention, with regards to a story that broke uh, the back of last week regarding uh, the silver key. Now, I wasn't on air for that, but I did see it uh, unfold online and what have you. Uh, and this, of course, has, uh, is the story of Tony Campion, the owner of the Silver Key in Ballancolic, who was filmed um, outdoors saying things like, I hope the pandemic goes on for another 10 years, he said, so that I can afford a place in Barbados. Um, I'm reading some copy from some of the online. Uh, I don't know whether this is possibly the examiner. Maybe I think it might well be Cork Bio. They quote him as saying, my payroll um, was about 32,000 a week. It's now about 18,500, he said. And the Irish government, uh, the lovely Irish government, uh, is giving me $15,000 back every week in a government subsidy. And he said that he wanted uh, COVID to continue for another 10 years so that he can afford a place in Barbados. This is actually the audio um, of, of what was said at the time. I must, I must say one thing. We do need the support. But to be fair, I'm making more money in the COVID. I hope COVID goes on for another 10 years. <laughs> 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 Keep it I know you wanted to pay for it. We're back with 40, we're back with 40 staff. So my payroll is about 18.5k a week. It was about 30k, 32k a week. So everyone gets paid in. We do the accounts, do everything. And the government, such a nice Irish government, they give me $15,000 back every week for the government subsidy. Yes. Oh, I didn't know. I, COVID has to go on for another 10 <laughs> All right. So somebody filmed that. Now, Tony Campion said that it was surreptitiously filmed, um, but somebody filmed it and then shared it. And uh, of course, the whole thing went viral. At that stage, then uh, the newspapers wrote in on it, uh, the mirror bar owner, sorry, over bragging about 15,000 COVID payments, he admits his gloating was insensitive. Uh, the star pub boss froths at gaff. Uh, the son barman's COVID brag. Uh, the examiner publican sorry for insensitively bragging about COVID-19. The echo publican sorry after video shows him saying he hopes COVID goes on for 10 years. Now, whoever posted the video, of course, uh, you know, they've got their own questions to answer. I have no idea. That was somebody at the party who had the phone out. Now, Tony says he didn't know he was being filmed uh, and, of course, issued an apology. He said he was wrong. Um, in fact, this is what he said. He said that when the drink is in, sense is out. And boy, has this wise old phrase echoed ever so loudly from me over the past few days. Recently, at a private party at my premises, I insensitively bragged about payments relating to, to COVID. At the time, I believed this to be a bit of inebriated, inebriated banter among friends. Uh, unbeknown to me, however was that my bravado was being surreptitiously filmed without my consent 
and the video would later then be used online as a vehicle to public embarrass, humiliate, and in some case, abuse and threaten me. Well, the abuse and threatening now is, um, that's a worry for anybody, isn't it? Anyway, what I said was wrong, and I'm sorry for it. I've been under a lot of anxiety and stress since the death of my father and my mother-in-law, all happening during COVID. Letting off steam like this was one of my ways of coping with it, although totally inappropriate. I understand that many people have also suffered terribly during the pandemic and I wholeheartedly apologize for any upset caused by, to anyone by my comments. And that's from Tony Campion. Now that's an apology if I ever came across one and it needs to be accepted as that, an apology. I'm mentioning all of this because people are asking me, are you going to be talking about it? What did you make of it? What do people think? Well, I was more interested in what the, what the VFI had to say. You see, what, what I'm really interested in is the numbers here. You know, I mean... Tony Campion said what he said, and he apologized. There was drink on board, and I accept all of that. And I think we all should accept all of that, right? Um, Like the VFI have been saying that they can't get staff, that pubs can't get staff, and restaurants are saying that as well. Um, Maybe some people feel that they're better off not going back to work because they're better off on COVID payments, you know, because they're saving quite an amount of money. But maybe the businesses are also saving quite an amount of money. Maybe some of them are making quite an amount of money. Or maybe the wages in the pubs and the restaurants are too low. Uh, and there are others then won't go back into the pubs and won't go back working in pubs and restaurants because they've found other work. So you ask the, ask the vintners, is this, is this true? I mean, can you have a large establishment, say, like the Silver Key or other ones like that, who are just saying, okay, we're just going to do outdoor dining and keep the indoors closed because we can make more money that way. In fact, we can make more money than perhaps we ever made. I'm not saying the Silver Key are saying that. But what, what, what do the vintners make of that? That there could be a, a case to be answered that some companies are getting 15 grand a week. have laid off quite a number of staff and are making more than they ever did before. So the VHI came back, or the VFI came back and said they do not comment on issues that are specific to any given publican. I asked them to directly address this. And they said that they wouldn't comment on issues specific to any publicans. They did remind me, though, of the 500 days from March of last year uh, that uh, the majority of pubs were not able to trade. Uh, they said that, uh, putting it as simply as we can, publicans cannot cater for the normal number of customers with all of the social distancing and no bar counter and stuff like that. So they're doing the outside thing. And they said at the same time, the cost of doing business has increased uh, and all services is now table service. And that there's additional staff needed. Now, in the case of the Silver Key, Tony Campion said he dropped his staff number. So that doesn't make any sense. Uh, the government support's been vital to the continued existence of most sectors, not just pubs. And the employment wage subsidy scheme is the most important support to the recent reopening of businesses. And he said, the VFI said that on average, well, there's 7,500 pubs and 50,000 employees, but on average, the EWSS, the payment that Tony Campion mentioned there, is on average quite low and does not in any way compensate for the reduced capacity and the increased costs. All right. So that's what they had to say. But if you have a big, huge establishment that has a big turnover, of course, there is a maximum of 15,000 that will be paid on a weekly basis. And it was the 15,000 that Tony Campion was referring to. Um you need to be 30% down on your turnover. Now, whether or not wages comes into that, I imagine it probably does. Uh, I think Tony Campion was saying that his payroll was 32,000. At the moment, it's 18,500. 
uh, and the government gives him 15,000 back every week in the government subsidy and he would like to see uh, COVID go on for another 10 years. Now, an apology is what's needed and apology is what's been given and it need, needed to be given by him on a load of different levels um, and I think he, he would acknowledge that. I endeavoured to see if he wanted to come on air but um, wasn't able to make contact with him. So I don't want to be making a big deal out of this because everyone makes mistakes and uh, an apology, I believe, should be accepted and no one knows anyone else's personal sufferings or the stress that they're under and, and clearly he's been himself said uh, under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and, and obviously loss within his own family. So he shouldn't be bullying people or harassing them or trolling them and that includes Tony Campion and everybody that works at the Silver Key for that matter. It was a very tragic, unfortunate uh, you know, set of circumstances regarding his, his own family losses. And I suppose he thought it was a bit of banter. Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe he did know. Maybe he says he didn't know he was being filmed, but, um, I, I can't say because I wasn't there, but, you know, somebody then decided who was there at a party, invited to a, a party, um, to, to load it up and share it with friends and we know the rest of it. But I just think that it's important, um, that there was an apology, but it doesn't actually clarify the numbers for me. You know, it's important because there were 5,000 COVID deaths, right? And it's important. It's an important story because two and a half thousand of those deaths at least were in nursing homes where the majority of people who died in nursing homes died alone. Um, and as, as if you listen to this program regularly, you will have heard, you know, families at the windows of loved ones who were dying and indeed passing away through the glass. And of course, then it was so many stories of the trauma and the loneliness and, and the depression and the fear, fear very much fear over COVID over the past year and a half and isolation and depression. And, you know, and then of course we have the unknown number of deaths due to COVID, but not from COVID. Um, and I'm sure that Tony Campion, when he was thinking about this afterwards in the cold light of day, you know, he thought on this as well as other things, the, you know, people who died due to COVID, but not from COVID. I'm talking about suicide clearly um, of all ages. And, and what really was striking to me actually was over the past year maybe more the amount of suicides I've been hearing from people who are quite elderly you know that sense of isolation and and depression and and loneliness not to mention and for me it's about the numbers the the, you know the EWS payment the reduce in staff uh, and the point that that some businesses may feel that COVID's been very good for them because it's been maybe 40 or 50 billion will be spent uh, trying to get us through COVID. And a lot of that will be on PUP and the business grants. Uh, somebody recently said that we have signed, uh, what were the words? We have signed an IOU for our children, an IOU that, ca- that they can never repay. So for me, this story is much about that IOU. Uh, guy made a mistake, a few jars on board, said stupid things, apologized. But for those that will have to pay this debt, which can never really be repaid, much of it from pop payments and much of it for grants to businesses. I mean, are there businesses in Ireland who are doing better than ever before now because of the EWSS grant um, and would like things to stay the way they are? So then you had the job losses and the business closures and the hospital appointments that have been cancelled and the surgeries and the cancer treatments. We dealt with all of those and the, and, the, and, the, and the waiting lists and what have you. But I was wondering about it then. Will revenue at any stage then investigate EWSS payments to see if it was or if it is still being abused by any businesses? Will companies be forced to pay any of it back if it's found? Your numbers don't add up. You weren't telling us the truth. Um, You know, 
we gave you all of this money over the space of a year or two years and we want it back and we're going to give you a penalty and we're going to give you uh, interest on it. So I wonder whether revenue are watching this very interestingly and saying, okay, uh, like how easy was it to claim up to 15 grand a week for a business? Like what proof was needed? Um, did you just have to say, I'm sure you had to give documentary evidence to show that you were 30% down. Um, so it, it may well have opened a can of worms. Are there many uh, pubs or restaurants um, staying closed or only opening outdoors because there's more money to be made in, in staying closed. Now, he said what I said was wrong, but I'm just still not 100% sure what that means. What does it mean? Does does it mean that he shouldn't have said it or does it mean that he is not getting 15 grand a week um, and is not hoping that it continues because there's more money to be made during covid so I'm still not sure as to what he says was wrong. Was he wrong to say it or was what he said wrong? Uh, so that's my take on it. I know there was a lot of texts on it. An awful lot of people have been texting here. Uh, I think if I could sum up a lot of the texts that I've been seeing, certainly to my Facebook page and also to my Twitter page, it's, it's 50-50. What we don't want is a society that is so judgmental, you know. We're always looking for a head. Uh, I don't think we want that. Um Anyway, I'm, you know, I can go through some of the text on it without a doubt, but I know there are calls as well. Um, somebody's saying already, stop defending him. I'm, I'm not actually. I'm just trying to walk through it as best I can uh, in, in, as, in as balanced a manner and as fashion. I mean, it was an absolutely stupid thing, but we all do and say stupid things. I get that. And we, all, we all can do and say stupid things uh, when we have drink on board or are drunk. I mean, we know that. that, that is, I mean, I have to go into chapter and verse on that one. Anyway, Tim, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, so, I don't know how much of that you heard. I was just trying to walk through it as best I can. You, you may agree or disagree. What, what, what do you make of it? Well, I just, I'm just perturbed by the, uh, the figures. You know, he quoted 32 grand a week with 60 staff. He now has 40 staff at 18 and a half grand. And he's getting 15 and a half grand or so off the Goldman Sachs. Essentially, he's instead of thirty-two grand a week, now he's paying out three grand a week. So, like, if you look at it, he's saving roughly twenty-nine thousand a week. Yeah, that 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 could be an accurate figure. I I, I can't disagree with but, that. You know, depending the jigs and the reels, like you know, I mean, um, that's based on the figures he gave. You know, obviously, you know, he might his books might differ by maybe a margin of, of sorts, right? So I, I, I think that's actually quite disgusting. I think, I think it's a, I think I'm, I'm very happy he, 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 the comments were made public because uh, my side of the argument, which is um, anti, um, you could say anti-experimental gene therapy um, or inoculation, um, people like me know are, are uh, uh, refuse entry into uh, yeah into I was thinking of that at the weekend you know? in this society that we live in right now the only people very very soon you know because we will reach a point soon when everybody will have been offered a vaccine and only those that will be precluded from say a pub or a restaurant or indoor hospitality will be people who don't like vaccines never liked vaccines mm-hmm. Those that cannot take a vaccine for medical yeah. reasons. And I think that's quite profound, actually. Well, how about not taking a vaccine for logical reasons? I mean... I just, I just said that. Don't, don't like va- vaccines. Well, uh, well, okay, let's just the brass tax of it. It is under conditional marketing approval by the European Medical Board agency. 
this means that it's not fully approved. It's the same as the emergency use authorization well, by the FDA. I understand that. But, so, so essentially, like I, like for me, being cautious, I've, as I discussed before, and I've taken vaccines, I've taken vaccines for for jobs and whatever in relation to wastewater treatment and that. I'm not willing to be part of an experimental trial and, and now the state are, 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 are buying off uh, the publicans, okay? Well, that you see, that's the that's the problem. That's the grey area. They offered the EWSS to all businesses, anyone that's 30% down. The point that Tony Campion made was that the Irish government gives me a $15,000 back every week in a government subsidy. My payroll is down. And he went on then to unfortunately say that he yeah, was to buy it. He's up 29,000 yeah, a week on wages. But, but no, wonder, no wonder he's going to buy Like, what's that, what's that over 52 weeks? But yeah, would you, but would you really, would you, um, you see, I don't know whether, whether he's now saying that he was wrong to say it or the numbers were wrong. You, you think the numbers were not wrong? Oh, you're, you're skewing it now. You're skewing it now, Neil. The man should know his business. And one thing, like, I, what I was shocked with, how, how a businessman would publicly state his wage bills. I mean, that was sh- that's one thing that shocked me. And then, on the other hand, I was delighted. I was like, there's the truth. It's all about the truth coming out, Neil. And we are being... A, sex, a section of society is being marginalised by government bribing businesses to stay closed, to bring in... God only knows what they're trying to bring in. This one world, uh, this uh, great recess... Uh, by the World Economic Forum. It's all part of it, Neil. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm marginalised. Uh, my children potentially will be marginalised going forward because, I mean, I, I just want to make one other point, actually, that, that about in relation to work, right? Your office is now, right, asking staff to return to work, okay? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Why would anybody return into the office Right, one heading into few uh, flu season, and two, when we're still under emergency legislation until November, like. So that's that's the point I just wanted to put out on air. Okay. And in relation to, I, I just think that um, you know it's very obvious now that there's bribery uh, and financial. You think the genie's out that. of the bottle? But what he said with regards to many of the bigger pubs or restaurants, then that they it's going to take more people like me coming on the air and be. And, and, and be matter-of-fact about it, you know? Okay, all right, thanks for that, Tim. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil, how are you doing? Good. Um, genie out of the bottle, do you think? Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, I agree with that chap you had on the air just a second ago. Um, you know, I kind of resonate with some of his thoughts and points on this whole defunct uh, society that we're living in at the moment. It's a banana republic. That's proven beyond doubt now at this point, and it'll come to fruition now when it all ends. And that's when all these legal cases and challenges will come to the fore. And then the Irish government will panic at some level because they'll be running out of checks that will be handed to them by uh, Europe. Um, the debt of which you know, your children and your grandchildren are going to have to pay. But they don't care. And, you know, when I listen to that chap's comment, you know, the, 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 I saw the video. Like, when you look at the video, and I read the article, there's an article in one of the Red Tops um, uh, about the, 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 this case. And I, I read the excuses that he made. I know there was a passing of certain distant relatives in his family and so on. Yeah, take and, it on know, board. I, take it, I, yeah. take it on board. You don't, you don't know what anybody, any of our sufferings are. I'm not here to no. defend anybody, incidentally. I'm, I'm just saying, w- 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 when someone apologizes, do we, 
do we take enough note of the apology? What else is somebody supposed well, okay, to do? If you look at it, Neil, like, you know, look at the antics of the government. You know, when they do something wrong, they come out and apologise. I mean, go right back to the start of Fianna Fáil when they came into power there. On their I know, I don't want, I really don't want a political history lesson, though. <laughs> I, don't I won't give you a political history lesson, but the history, the history of the antics like, we do what we want and we apologise, not apologise. I mean, I know that. Well, well, he, well, he said what he said on the video. Then some character decides to release the video and then it gets picked up online and everybody is sharing yeah. it and then the newspaper's involved and I'm here talking about it. The guy, the guy apologises. Um, I still, I'm not sure yet as to whether he really is apologising um, well, with regards to what. the numbers, you know, because what he's yeah. saying is that he wants COVID to, con- this is the real crux of the matter for me. He wants COVID to continue for 10 years. Now, if that's a bit of drunk banter and it's not true, fair enough. But is it really the case that, you know, COVID has been great for businesses who are making more than ever, particularly the big ones who are getting 15 grand a week? Yeah, it has been, yeah, for those, like, because this government are writing checks, it is effectively hush money. That's been, you know, that that's the message going around on social media, not RT or the mainstream news or certain radio stations. But on main, you may, you know, on, on social media, when but you do know is, that EWSS for any business, including this one that I work for, was all about keeping the lights on and keeping people working. Neil, you know, look, it's going back to this guy, this guy in particular, all right? I'm not out, you know, I'm not looking to boycott him or anything like that. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody should be boycotted. If you want to boycott or, or challenge what's going on, you need to protest and take it to the top outside the gate of the doll. Rather, like uh, the people did when the um, water charges come in, they tried to sell it to you through um, news feeds and advertisements on radio to go and register for your water charges and mind control the population into thinking this is the norm. And it wasn't. And people took to their, in their droves, up to over 100,000 people took to the street. The reason they're not taking to the streets in those numbers, albeit there are protests up in Dublin and down in Cork regularly now. But hang on, I know. I know. No, no, I just, I just want to make that point. Look, no, the point is that maybe 40 or 50 billion will be spent on this before it's over. A lot of it is on pups. A lot of, and that's right, and it should be. But if a lot of it was on business grants, and if, if Tony Campion's numbers are right, and I still don't know whether he's saying they're right or wrong, then we have businesses who are coining it during COVID. Um, and as, as somebody said recently, we're signing IOUs for generations to come. Well, Neil, yeah, we are. This and what, are, like, what, what's going to happen about, what's going to happen about then investigating stories like his, for instance, where Neil, literally Neil, businesses you know are I'll rubbing their hands in glee. The number, I'll you, I'll they're giving us 15 grand a week to do nothing. Neil, this is what will happen. There will be a tribunal of inquiry. The usual scapegoat excuse for they any wrongdoing. They, won't, be. In this they won't even have a tribunal of inquiry to the deaths in nursing homes. You know, well, look at that's the corruption. You know, his comments. When you look at his comments and you look at the video, you kind of just think to yourself, it's really just indicative of the Irish government. You know, at the end of the day, forty years ago, wasn't it? Margaret Thatcher said this when she made her comments regarding the Irish government at the time. This has gone over forty years ago, but they, you cannot trust the Irish. They're liars, and that's all they are. And maybe there's a lot of truth behind that because you've got the government using basically blank checks from Europe and elsewhere, maybe from other investments, I don't know. And they're just buying off time because the HSE is in a rag order. But if, it's, but if it's found to be true that big businesses claimed up to 15 grand a week and were making more money during COVID than ever before, 
they need to be screaming and drag screaming and kicking to pay that back. They, yes, they should. They and, and and pay it back to the state and to the people. But Neil, is that going to happen with a government with the with the type of governance we have in place at the moment in this country? Is that going to happen? Well, no. revenue are independent of all of that. Like, so if somebody like the Silver Key says, uh, "I want this to go on for another ten years, so I can afford a place in Barbados." Ears prick at the revenue when they hear something like that. Well, they would be. Yeah. Now, if I were him, if I was that uh, pub owner, I'd be panicking at this point because this business, this business, you know, never mind being boycotted, it could go into collapse. When all this ends, and it has to end at some point, it can't go on forever. The money will run out, Neil. And when the money runs out and the payoff checks run out and Europe starts to say, no, we can't give you any more, and so on and so forth, that's when this government are going to run with their tails wagging because they will be terrified of what's going to come next down the road okay. and mass protests will take place the only reason we don't have mass protests against this you know this is a sellout basically the Irish people were sold out by Fianna Gael over the last 10 years through Europe and this is another form of sellout let's keep taking checks and who's going to pay for it now they don't, they don't want to talk about it not to mention the thousands of cancer patients that can't even get their chemotherapy All right. I mean you've got to think about this I, I, you know you could go on forever talking about all the issues and I, I don't do that up to you let me get some text However, on the air yeah let me get some text thanks James cheers uh, no I know what he said was wrong but worse again is that he thought he was among friends saying this and he's admitted he was inebriated and sometimes we all say stupid things under the influence Shame on his so-called friend for posting it on social media, says Betty. Uh, Eric says, I wonder will Revenue be looking into the accounts to validate to validate the Silver Keys situation? Jacinta said, this uh, COVID has brought out the bad in a lot of people. We all say things we don't mean. No one is perfect and we all wish the things we said we could take back. Rise above it and feck all the haters, says Jacinta. Uh, look at what judgmental people are doing. The man likes free money and he has to apologize for it. Who doesn't like free money? Don't be so ridiculous. Let him wish for another 10 years without being slagged about it, says Joe. Uh, I found the apology insincere. Using the deaths uh, of uh, loved ones during COVID is not, is an excuse. Uh, but it's not cool, says Susan. Uh, no need for an apology at all. I'd take 15 grand a week also, says Lorraine. Uh, yeah, that's all very well, though, uh, until somebody has to pay it back. Uh, damage is done. Uh, ask him to come on air and ask, will he cancel his subsidies or donate to needed charities and people that were smashed by COVID? 15 grand a week to penny dinners would show some kind of an apology or even... 15 grand. Uh, and that's how you lose a lot of customers and people's respect, especially uh, working on the front line. People are greedy. I, for one, won't set foot in there again, says Noel. Uh, he didn't know he was being recorded, but was looking straight at the camera, says Cora. Um, I don't know anything about that. I just know what the guy said. Uh, there's a difference between apologizing because you're genuinely sorry and apologizing because you were caught. So many people are after losing their jobs because of this pandemic. We can't have people gloating. Uh, it's disgusting if you ask me, says Laura. Um, the purge of social media, there is no privacy anymore. You can't have a laugh or a joke and someone sticking it online. It's very poor taste. Uh, so many deaths and so many people sick. People lost so much during this pandemic, says Gemma. I have reams of them. I see more coming in this morning, which I'll come to in a few minutes' time. Just two or three more ahead of the break. He apologized. Uh, we all say stupid things, but gloating is everything that's wrong with society. 
says Stephen. Uh, morning, the government gives him loads of money every week and people sleeping on our streets. There is something wrong there. So we'll pick up on that and lots more besides text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Text 0868104106. I think everyone at some point would be guilty of having to make a public apology after a few scoops in private conversations if they were all recorded and made public. Another one here goes to show why they don't care, goes to show why they don't care about what's going on because they're milking it. But you guys are no different getting well paid to run COVID ads on your radio station. Didn't your radio station get 60,000? So you guys are just as complicit in keeping this crap show going. I have zero sympathy says Paula. Uh, Publicans have been very quiet all through lockdown. Now we know the reason why. And two or three more. While sorry for the loss of his loved ones, he is still standing over the payroll numbers he quoted, as he seems to be quite happy to boast of this accomplishment. Maybe he didn't realize when he was apparently looking in the direction of a camera that it was actually on. Uh, Sean says, it was banter after a few drinks, someone letting off steam like lots of people. Not appropriate comments, I agree. But give people a break. We all know, regardless of government assistance and pop, that they will claw it all back from us somehow. We'd be fools to think otherwise. Uh, Helena says, uh, they all say that when the drink goes in, the truth comes out. And one or two more. You can't open your mouth these days when someone or something will take offense. I wonder who the wise guy who filmed this was. Why aren't you talking about him? Um, he was only saying what a lot of publicans think. Some were better off being closed than open with the grants coming through the door. I have little sympathy for publicans out there when you realize the size of the grants they were getting, says Justin. Um, Morning, the silence is deafening from the vintners. Tony Campion has outed every one of them. That's why they hadn't taken to the streets. On the back of Tony Campion's comments, and bearing in mind the 5,000 who died from COVID, he should donate 15,000 euro to charity and put his money where his big mouth is, says John. And that's a selection of texts. I was making the point, actually, with regards to all of the other things that went on during COVID, why it is wrong that a company should be making more money now and would be rubbing their hands in glee uh, over the last 18 months, better closed or with restricted services because the payments are just rolling in. And I gave you the reasons why I believed, you know, with regards to deaths, trauma, loneliness, depression, fear, isolation, nursing homes. It's all wrong in those levels, and I'm still no clearer as to whether... The only thing that really bothers me, because he says he was drunk and said things that he said were untrue or wrong or regretted, I still don't know if the numbers that he quoted... I'm assuming that the numbers that he's quoting are correct, and that's the reason why he would want uh, COVID to continue. It's nauseating listening to any kind of defense of the indefensible, uh, but what do I expect when you're clearly paid off to... I'm not, I mean, if you, if you get any kind of impression that I'm defending this, you're a hundred percent off the mark on that. The one thing that I, I, I do accept that if somebody makes an apology, we need to accept the apology. If somebody says, I'm sorry and gives reasons why or asks for people's forgiveness, we need to, you know, not go on a witch hunt against them. I, I do believe that. I always do. Um, but I'm very, very annoyed about the numbers. I really and truly am. If what he is saying is true, uh, that I'm really, really raging over that and I could never, ever come to terms with a situation whereby a company would say, bring it on, 10 more years of it, get my place in Barbados. That's not what 
grants and government subsidies are about. Uh, so because a few drinks were involved, uh, he's excused for what he said. Come off the stage now and call a spade a spade. Keep it coming. Text 0868104106 and we'll pick it up after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. You're on Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Uh, just, um, I got an email in there last week that I didn't get to. I just want to just give it out there because somebody's looking for help and uh, we're great at helping people uh, and a lot of the time we have great success with it. I'm wondering if you could help me please by asking your listeners for recommendations for a therapist for a tween. I don't want to give out her age in case my ex cops it. I'll just get the world of abuse if I do. I was in an abusive relationship. It was never physical but the man broke me down over years till there was nothing left of me. I was living on my nerves, always in flight or fight mode. I was having such a hard time trying to figure it all out for myself after I finally got him out at the end of last year that I overlooked how much it actually affected my daughter. I wasn't able to engage in therapy myself because they had to do it over the phone with COVID, but they're not the kind of conversation you can have with kids in the house. Um, I've linked up with a woman's charity and they're going to help me set up a face-to-face therapy, but they don't have services for kids and the waiting list through the doctors is just awful. My daughter is riddled with anxiety. She sleeps in my bed now with me or she can't sleep at all. Seeing her like this is worse than anything that he ever put me through. I'm heartbroken because although I did my best to shield her from this, I obviously failed her. I need to get her to see someone to help her process it all, but I'm clueless as to where to start. And I can't afford a whole lot, so thoughts of your listeners might be able to recommend somebody are never far from my mind. Can you help? Um, Has anybody any uh, direction or advice with regards to uh, a very well-structured email here that has told the story very well? I don't have to add anything to it. I imagine that COVID has been very, very difficult on top of everything else that you live with over the years with this man. But the last year, year and a half must have been awful. Uh, so, and, and now your daughter, of course, is living with the damage that was done uh, in the home because of that abusive relationship and is riddled with anxiety. So if anybody can help or give direction on somebody you might be able to recommend with regards to therapy and counseling, uh, just to sit down and talk with their daughter, that would be great. Could you text 0868104106 on that one? We'll do some work off the air on it as well. Uh, or indeed email if you have a story to share that might be able to help her, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. And that's why when I talk of the last year or, or year and a half with regards to clearly the deaths and the sicknesses and issues regarding many, many deaths in, in nursing homes, you know, the trauma that people went through, um, you know, the fear of, 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 you know, losing a loved one. I think a lot of people actually who had somebody die during COVID under very different, norm, sorry, no, no death is normal, don't get me wrong in that regard, but where there was no proper grieving or no proper saying goodbye, I think there would be a lot of po- like stress involving that, and there'd be a lot of um, a lot of trauma that people will carry regarding how their loved one dies, loved ones died. And I mentioned that earlier on when I was talking about the issue regarding, you know, what was said at the Silver Key by Tony Campion with regards to, you know, um, I wanted to continue for for ten years. I don't think anybody could come to terms with a comment like that if you've been through a very very hard and difficult COVID. Um, and I'm still none the wiser as to the numbers that he quoted as to whether they're accurate or not. Uh, you really dodged the silver key story with the rant. Um, 
Interesting text. If I was a, if I, if it was a pub owner in Mahan or the north side, you'd have a different approach. I have no idea why you would say like that. I don't frequent uh, the the Silver Key, nor do I nor do I know Tony Campion. So I have no skin in the game as as such. I do tend to take apologies a bit more seriously than some people do with regards to their texts. I do sit up and listen to people when they apologize. I'm absolutely raging uh, over what was said, um, particularly if those numbers that he's quoting are accurate. Uh, I just think, you know, there's no excuse for that. Um, how disgusted am I to hear that guy boast about 15 grand he was getting from the government and all those fools laughing in the background? My God, if they had someone die from COVID, they wouldn't be so bloody ignorant and inconsiderate. I don't accept the apology. apology. He's only giving it because he was caught and then talking about the deaths of loved ones. If he was so upset over them, he wouldn't have a party, would he? Why in God's name would you try and stand up for him? Uh, is he a friend? No, don't know him. Passed him on the street, I wouldn't know him. It's not about that. Uh, I'm not defending it in any way, shape or form. I'm livid over uh, what he said, particularly if the numbers are accurate. I've said it a dozen times already. Um, and I'm wondering what will happen if he and other businesses like that uh, are claiming EWSS at 15 grand a week, some of them, and making more money now than they ever did before. What is going to be done about it? How many times do I have to say that? Uh, he must be the first and only publican who didn't want to come on the air. We have done nothing but listen to publicans complaining for the last two years. Maybe a bit of the boy who cried wolf. Well, maybe a can of worms has been opened with the numbers that Tony Campion quoted. Uh, look, what he said uh, was very, very stupid, but very damaging to the whole industry. What an arrogant man. What about the rest of the industry struggling? Another one, that man's arrogance is unreal. Blaming anxiety and past hardships. You're worse for saying that his apology is genuine. This is Dave and Blackrock. What are you, what are you supposed to do if uh, somebody apologizes? What are you supposed to do if somebody makes a, um, uh, a mind-numbingly stupid mistake like that? Um, you just say, oh, no, 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 don't want it. We want a head. No, no, apology not accepted. No. I, I want to know about the numbers. Yeah. I want to know if they're true and if so, what's going to be done about it. Um, he would want to do well to realize that it's actually the Irish public who are giving him all of the extra money through their taxes. And he would do well to put his money where his mouth is by donating a considerable sum from these profits he talks of to charity. Uh, the man from the Silver Key should have his license stripped from him and never again get a drinks license. Our government is worse for supporting them like they do. Uh, he should be ashamed of himself. He cannot blame inebriation as alcohol only loosens the tongue. It does not change his feelings about the grants he gets. Uh, bad luck to him. Um, do you know this guy or something? If it was a publican saying something like this, then I bet you wouldn't be as fair. You need to be fair to everybody, you know. You need to have to have some kind of a balance in a conversation. You just can't go on a an uncontrolled witch hunt. Uh, that's why social media isn't social media. It's unsocial media a lot of the time. I just want to deal with the facts. Um, I think it was an arrogant thing to say. I think it was a stupid thing to say. I think somebody can apologize for it. An apology goes so far. Uh, but the numbers is an entirely different scenario entirely. Talking about places in Barbados, I think you can say, yeah, I, I said it. I didn't know I was being filmed. And I sit and certainly didn't know that somebody who was invited to the party would share it on social media. Anyway, we'll come back to those texts. Text 0868104106. It was also sent a photograph of the house, the back of the house that the Trumbull dryer caught fire in uh, last week. And you can see how burnt out it is, Neil. I can. The whole house is now boarded up. 
because of the fire, particularly the downstairs, which was absolutely destroyed. Uh, and another photograph then that I was sent this morning is the tumble dryer itself. If that's what you would con- call the remains of this tin, tin box, which is completely and utterly destroyed from fire. Um, I tell you again, lucky there wasn't a life loss there, I can tell you that. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I'll come back to text in a few minutes' time. Let's get some calls on the air. Mary, good morning. Hi, Neil. I mentioned earlier about a car that went on fire. It was yours. Yeah, that was our car, yeah. What happened? We were, we drove through into McDonald's for my granddaughter to get a happy meal, wherever, and we came out, came along, we say, the Mallow Road, and we went through Dino's, drove, we said we drove, we drove, I was collecting my daughter from work, and we went up the hill, well, not all, we up the hill, the end of Farm Ferris there, and I said to my husband, does it smell of smoke? He goes, I can't smell anything. So, within about two minutes, the car went up in flames. The smoke was coming first, and then the car was... Somebody sent in a text that he opened the bonnet, is it? We opened the bonnet to see what was going on, but sure, when that went up then, it ignited straight away. Oh, my God. Because you'd be afraid, then, that the petrol tank would catch. That's what we... It would have, only for the, the fire brigade came. Well, after about five or six minutes, they came, and they turned they out, out of it, like. So, we were lucky we weren't... Even inside in the car that we could have been, we wouldn't have been able to get out. Oh my so, God. I mean, or if you had been driving fast, say, on the road to Dublin, and you wouldn't have seen the smoke, you see. No, no. Good if we were on a main, yeah, like that, no main road, it would have been worse. Oh, I never forget it. I'm still not over it at all, like. Is it an old road. car? Do, do, is, does anybody know why it went on fire? No, we would just get, it's been assessed at the moment now. So, we won't know until that comes through. So, it was so scary. I'm still numb from it. Absolutely, because all you needed was the oil to catch fire, and then the oil would go to the petrol, and yeah. then you'd have an explosion, and you're all in the car. God almighty. Yeah, yeah, we could have been trapped in it. Oh my God. So, we got out straight away then, and um, we just waited then for the fire brigade to come. And they turned they out, out the flames. Unbelievable. It, it just went up in three minutes. It was burnt with crisp. Burnt with crisp. The whole car or the engine? The whole car. The whole car, except the back. So the, the, the fire brigade were after turn out the, 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 the fire. Oh, God. So. Got the fire before it went to the petrol tank, but in spite yeah. of that, the car was still burnt yeah, out. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you're a lucky family, thank God. We're very lucky. Oh, my God. I, I was sitting in the booster seat that Rhea was, my granddaughter was sitting in, that melted. And I bought, I was buying a sander, that melted in the car. There was nothing there, nothing left, nothing. It, it makes us also sit up and think of people who leave children in booster seats in cars while they go out to do yeah. a quick message. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what the guys were saying to us. God almighty. One of the guards were there, no fairness to them. They were there for the good three hours that we were there to get uh, get the car towed lucky away. Escape, and yeah. A lucky you escape. Because life can be, as we, as, we, as we heard with the tragedy yesterday, life can be snuffed out just like that. Exactly, yeah. Very lucky. It was so frightening. 
So all right. Still not over. I know, I know. Thanks for sharing the story all the same, Mary. Glad you're all safe okay, and well. Mate. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Uh, I love when people share experiences, the good, the bad, and the not too kind. This is an interesting one. Um, I just wanted to share my experience of flying home from France recently. While I am so grateful to have gotten away on a bit of a break, it ended in tears, quite literally. I am married to a French man, and after not having seen his family for over two, two years, we decided to book as soon as we got our digital certs. He's staying over there for another couple of weeks as he has businesses to attend. But we have a three-month-old baby girl, who, who I must say I was nervous about on the flight. However, she was so good on the way over. However, after a long wait and departures, she just got unsettled. Remember now, she's three months old. I had no help. My husband wasn't with me. I was alone. I tried to calm her before we got on the plane, and she did set, settle somewhat. But as soon as we got on the runway, she started to cry. I, see, I did see some people look around at me, some with empathy, uh, some not. One person, though, in particular, was very nasty to me. She was a lady in her 60s who asked me to quieten down my child if possible. I told her I was trying to do so. She kept looking back rolling her eyes and started talking about me to the person next to her. I couldn't, in spite of all of my best efforts, control my baby. How can anyone control a baby in a situation like this? She then went on to humiliate me, standing up and asking rather loudly could she be seated elsewhere to get away from the roaring that was ruining her holiday. I was so embarrassed, so ashamed and felt so helpless. What made the whole thing worse is I heard her saying, who in their right mind would bring a baby on a plane? Not everyone's circumstances are the same, but someone like this obviously has no idea what it's like being a new mum. I just hope that any of your listeners who read this may have some more of an understanding for parents who are traveling with babies when they get to hear this. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Your, your one was well out of order. I don't know whether she ever had children herself. And if she did, whether she ever took them on an airplane, and if they're quiet, she was lucky, because a lot of the time children aren't. And one of the reasons, of course, is uh, because they have pains in their ears. Uh, the cabin is, is compressed, the air is decompressed, and it's circulated within. And when, certainly when a plane takes off, you know how you have to pop your ears with your nose, push like that? Kids can't do that. And it leads to terrible, terrible pain. I mean, I've been through this when my own kids were small. I remember being on a, I'll never forget, I remember being going on a flight where we connected, I think it was Cork Heathrow, Heathrow, all the way to Australia. Uh, and Luke was crying for pretty much all of the flight to uh, Heathrow. And I was thinking, um, oh my God, what if it's like this all the way to Australia? And, I'm, and I suppose I should have been thinking about him, really. And I guess I might have been, I must have been. <laughs> Not that bad a dad, but I was also thinking about, oh my God, what are people going to think if this fellow is going to be crying for 22 or 24 hours on an airplane? It's not the child's fault, you know. It just really isn't. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Now, I've got another interesting story about uh, about cars and children left in cars. I'll come back to that again, hopefully, before midday. Um, you know, there can be a terrible, terrible tragedy if a child is left unattended in a car like Mary's car. Not that she'd ever do anything like that. It goes up in flames like that. Uh, anyway, I will come back to that. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text 106 To the phone lines we go. Caroline, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What day, what day is the 9th? This is the 4th. Well, it's next Monday, isn't it? Next Monday, yes. And where are you flying? 
Uh, we're flying from Cork Airport to Palmanova. All oh, right, for a sun holiday. And is there a problem with passports? Yes, um, we applied for three of passports for our three daughters on the 12th of July and it said they were received on 12th of July and then over on the 4th of, no, on Thursday there was one of them flagged because the guards mistakenly signed the wrong box and then on Friday there was the two other girls' passports were flagged as well because the same thing, they were signed, the guards signed the wrong Original box. forms signed an error or something, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Now, we had to get new consent forms done, so it was actually Saturday before we could get them done because my husband had work and stuff like that, so he took time off Saturday. Uh, We went into Anglesey. But if it was flagged on the 12th of July, why did you wait so long? Because we... No, we, we... the application was received on the 12th of oh, July. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. They didn't and come back to it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was last Thursday and Friday they were flying. Oh, right. I am with you now. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, we resubmitted the three consent forms, but because of the bank holiday, we didn't get to post them till yesterday. Um, then we emailed all the consent forms into them Saturday evening just so they'd have a track of that. Um, we've been trying to track them all morning. It says that uh, they're out for delivery in the on post van. I was on to the passport office this morning and they said they can't do anything. We offered to go to Dublin Friday if they could give us just emergency one for the girls so we could fly. They said they couldn't do anything. But hold on, you just said that they're out for delivery. The form, no, the forms, the consent forms are out for delivery in the unpost van because we posted them yesterday. Oh, so they haven't even got those yeah, yet? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So we were just wondering, is there anything else we can do? Because we don't know what to do because we're after trying everything. The most effective way of getting a passport fast is by getting onto a TD. Are you aware yeah, of that? Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, where you've been onto a Michael McGuire. We've, um, he's, just told us, like he's after sending emails as well, and he told us just keep on at them. But when I was on this morning, the lady said that we couldn't get emergency passports. Because I would know, I was I was told that TDs have a special uh, hotline to the passport office. I'm not sure. We've been on to, um, is it Michael McGrath? He's based in Carrickline. My husband is on to him. Yeah. He's actually sent him another email this morning to see if he's received any information back on them. And we're just waiting on a reply from Michael McGrath again. They're the fastest way of getting things expedited and speeded up, TDs. Um, They can do that. They can't do it with COVID certs, because I was chatting with them last week about that and stuff we were doing on air. Like, we have all those. um, Me and my husband are fully vaccinated. Yeah, no, but they can't do that. They can't kind of get your COVID cert faster. But they can get... They have a special... I don't know whether they, like I was told. I, I was told they have a, a, a particular number that they dial and they get it speeded up in that regard. Right, right. And could we get that number off the TD? No, I don't. I don't no, think it works no. that way. I think they make the call. Well, um, was it a fir- were their first passports? Was it? No, they're renewals. They're renewals. They were just out of date. We didn't realize they were out of date. It can happen. When we booked, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when we checked them all, then it just said they were out of date. 
So this is the Wednesday. You're flying next Monday. Flying Monday morning, And yeah. they haven't even got the corrected forms yet. Yeah, it just says they're both, like, I tracked the... What will you do if order. they don't arrive on Monday? I don't know, to be honest, because we need to give the travel agent... Um, we used to ring the travel agent, like, I've been on to them as well, um, explaining to them, but they said we need to have a definite... Um, we need to know if it's definite tomorrow if we're able to travel so they can rearrange dates for next year or something like that. Okay, but you wouldn't lose your money. You would just have to cancel f- to a later date. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I- I'd be trying more than one TD at the same time, you know. Yeah, we were on to Donica O'Leary as well. He was on it as well. But they just keep telling us to keep on to the passport office. That's the information we're getting from the two TDs. That's weird, because usually yeah, they make, yeah. usually TDs make calls on behalf of people, or they get no, one of their staff. I don't think they made a call. I don't think they yeah. made any calls. All right, well, listen, we'll contact Michael McGrath's office for you, right? Okay, and, and just you. see, not at all. I mean, it's just, we we'll, can't guarantee anything, but we'll just see yeah. the clock is ticking on Monday. Um, you know, yeah. telling, telling you to keep on trying. They do more than that, TDs. They make calls for people. I know that. So let's see if, if that's happening. And, um, you know, if we were willing to collect the passports, like, we're willing but why to don't you, did you, I know, but did you ever think of doing it all online? We did all, we did it all online, but you still have to get the consent forms signed right. by the guards. And it, would it like be, we, yeah, it's, it's too late now to go through an online yeah. process again, is it? It would be, I suppose. Yeah, well, yeah. we've done it all again over the weekend because we had to resubmit cons- three more consent forms for the girls. So we actually had to do it all again online Saturday. And then, you see, they can't post, they said they can't process it process it until they receive the unpost original form. Like we've submitted everything online. Do you know, they have All right, it is what it is. Okay. It. Yeah. It is what it is. All right, well, uh, let's make a call or two on your behalf. Okay, thank um, you, and, and keep your fingers crossed for now, all right? Okay, perfect. Thanks very all much right, for your Caroline. help. Cheers, take okay, care. Okay, thank you. Lines open at 1850-104-106, text 86 uh, Hi, my sister got onto our local TD and they moved their passports and they got them very fast, very, very fast. Yeah. Um, I think they can they can do it with passports. They can't do anything with uh, the COVID certs or anything like that. But TDs can move mountains when it comes to uh, when it comes to to passports. Um, so this is an interesting one. Uh, when my daughter was very young, her father had a few hours access to her every second Saturday and Sunday. She came to me one day and said she was scared as her dad was locking her in his car for lo- very long times, and he was leaving her in the car. Uh, at that age, she had no concept of time. Anyway, she showed me where he used to go as we used to eat in a restaurant near where he used to go. It turned out to be a bookies. There was a regular recurrence, um, so I contacted the guardie and gave them the days and the times that she was with him. They then requested CCTV from the area, and the times that she was locked in the car coincided with him being in the bookies. One day she was locked in the car for nearly an hour, um, and on two instances, 15 minutes a second uh, was 45 minutes. Uh, a third time, 20 minutes. He was seen coming out of the front of the bookies to smoke a fag, but never went near the car, just waved on one occasion. I saw the CCTV coverage and knew my daughter was locked in the car. It was like watching a horror movie. Um, there are parts of this email that I can't read out because it went before uh, social workers and then um, there was... Uh, 
there was legal intervention, so I won't go there, but it's just the worrying aspect of leaving a child in a car. Um, he did eventually get a warning, but continued to do the same thing in another bookies. Um, that also ended up going before the courts where a judge said the father was entitled to see his child no matter what. Uh, access fizzled out, though, as he met someone else. Um, anyway, I was left to pick up the pieces. I had to take my daughter for counselling as she had an awful fear of being left alone. It took a long time to come. She took a long time to come round. She's grown up now and is the centre of my life. So that's an example. I mean, clearly, you you know, you shouldn't he shouldn't have done what he did. Clearly, it was a stupid, foolhardy thing and completely reckless. But imagine if there was a fire in the car, or imagine if the child was stolen from the car. Anything could happen. I mean, we certainly learned that more than ever with regards to two lives being snuffed out yesterday, like that. That awful tragedy down in in. Uh, Monkstown, you're just going about your life, driving your bus, you're going about your life, having a nice lunch in the bosun, and within seconds, all of that changes, and you're no longer with us. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Adam, good morning. Hi, how are you? Now, um, back to, have you been vaccinated? I have, yeah, 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 just now, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm actually in the car park. And how was the experience? I suppose, first of all, there's signs everywhere. This everywhere. is Parky Cueve? No, uh, the CIT Centre. Okay. And there's just, like, signs everywhere. Just, you cannot, everywhere you look, there's signs. So, I think, too many signs. And then, the one thing that stood out for me is the amount of security guards. Just the absolute amount, from the road all the way in, every corner, halfway between every corner. You've got two, two of them standing here, two of them standing there. I'd say there must be 30 before you ever get into the centre. Yeah, I don't know of that one, but there's a lot of security down in Parky Cueve and there's a lot of army. Incidentally, all doing great jobs, though. And uh, the idea is to well, get you I in mean, and out. They're, 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 look, I'm not, I'm not knocking the guys in any way, shape or form. I used to do security, so I did once upon a time for quite a while. So, you know, I know it's a tough job. and But what I would say is that we're paying for that. The Irish people are paying for this. Now, when you pay a security, when you pay a firm security in, it's 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 not cheap. I would say it's thirty euros easily, forty euros easily per man per hour. The Irish government are paying out for these guys, and I have to say they they are needed. They're, They're not, not needed in the amount of numbers you're saying. No, no, not at all. There's more security here than there would be going into a festival when you have rowdy drunk people going in. Yeah, but. They have to keep people moving. They have to keep them at a distance. Yeah, everybody, everybody is being, everybody is being timed, and they have, you know. Well, no, that's fine. Everyone comes at their time, and you have, you have. If you would have to go to security, you'd still be able to do all of those things perfectly well. Like what I know from the security is the process is is that there would have been like I'm just spitballing here now, but it would have been put out the tender. There would have been a representative from the company would have come out, <coughs> would have done. Bit of a look around, all the rest of it, and would have said, "Right, well, I suppose we're going to need twenty there now. I sure make it twenty-five. And you know, this is the Irish. This is our money, like you know, it's just, it just seems completely over the top. A lot of it, a lot of it is for a lot of it is for traffic, isn't it? No, just signs. This is a functioning car park. It's a functioning roadway system, (laughs) and they have the time staggered, so you're not going to get a massive flow. Now, if you had one guy at the corner directing people, great." 
but you've got two and three people at every single corner yeah. and in between every corner yeah. like when you park you have to park yeah over, you, you mean park, I, I know I know say for instance in Parky Cueve you could have uh, somebody in a yellow jacket every 30 or 40 feet I never stopped to think how much it was counting us so it was costing us so you're right in that regard absolute fortune and this is I don't know how when the vaccine centres first popped up but I know my next appointment is in three weeks and I'm probably not going to be the last one so, like, you're just talking months and months and months of complete and utter just blinkered, no one's stopping to think, you know, over waste, just waste, waste of money. It's just, it's incredible. And I know you have to keep throwing, I know you can't, you know, somewhere along the line you have to, you, you can't not do these things as a country, but surely someone's looking at this going, all right, this is a bit over the top, you know? And it really does come down to whoever it was gave in their proposals and said, yeah, well, I think we'll need 25. Do you think that we're spending way too much money on it across the board on things like that or pop or as of we saw? Of course we are. Or as we yeah, saw, say, for instance, with the Silver Key story where an allegation was made by the owner saying, I'm getting 15 grand a week from the lovely Irish government to get my villa in Barbados kind of thing. So, yeah, he would have been given, let's say, the restart grants and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't know much about that story. Oh, but uh, look, I suppose, yeah, there is a lot of money being thrown around at the moment, you know. And I suppose it is a bit of a panic. We've never been through this. So I can understand why the government are just doing everything they can to keep businesses open. Throw money at it. Yeah. Throw money at it. Now, look, you can say that, look, well, sure, at least there's 30 security guards out here in CIT with a job. But there's also a load of bars in the city that can't get staff. So it's not like if, if if there was a bit of forethought and a bit of actual planning went into getting the security out here, it's not like those jobs wouldn't have gone somewhere else, do you know? Well, the Vintners are saying and publicans are saying they can't get staff, but I'm asking the question now, well, I wonder really, why can't they get the staff? Uh, maybe it's because the wages that they weren't being paid, they were crap, they got better jobs, or maybe they're better off in COVID and are saving money on transport and travel and childcare costs rather than going back to a living wage in a pub? It's probably all of the above. I'd say there's a lot of different factors okay. playing into that. Yeah. You know, I yeah. would like... The other thing I'll say as well is that it's been bugging me for months now. Why do we... Who, who's insisting security guards have to stand up for eight hours outside? Or ten hours, however long their shift is. What do you want to give, give them, an armchair? Stool. A stool? Give them a, yeah, give them a stool. Give them a stool or a seat somewhere to sit down. I mean, look, I've done security before. You ask any security guard, your back, your back is breaking you. You ask anyone to stand up. Like, if you have to stand up in that studio now for eight hours every day. <laughs> well, it would be three hours every day. I wouldn't fancy it. All right, well, you know, just a, okay. I mean, you're standing up in the one spot. All you've right. got hard shoes on because you have to wear, you have to wear kind of, you know, down near like suit shoes or something as well. So it's, it's tough graft. Give these guys a seat. You know, like we're paying for it. They're there representing the Irish. So you want him to be on on a stool directing then from the stool, is it? Well, not, I'll tell you, there's only about two or three now directing traffic to you. <laughs> okay, okay. You last, word, last word on this goes to a text who says, uh, I'm listening to Adam, there may be a lot of signs and an awful lot of security, but I still got lost going into the vaccination centre at the MTU. <laughs> I, well, okay, I don't know how you manage that. Yeah, no, there's always one. There's always one. We can't go on the lowest common denominator. All right, my man. Thanks for the text. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it as always. With regards to um, the Silver Key uh, and the EWSS or the bragging, 
about the lovely money from the government. Uh, you said if people make an apology, we must accept it. So God forbid someone you loved got attacked or murdered. But then if the person who did it apologized, are you saying you'd accept it? You would be barmy, says Matt in Bandon. Well, you know what? You can take it to any kind of extreme you want and, you know, you're, you're entitled to. Uh, I don't think that's what I had in mind when I said that somebody makes an apology. I don't think you could, I mean, you don't equate that with murder or, or rape or an attack. Um, you want to be a very, very strong person with a real, an awful lot of compassion in your heart to be able to forgive somebody if they murdered a loved one. I don't think, to be honest, I would be one of them. Anthony says, all these people pointing fingers at that publican should remember every time you point a finger at someone, there are three pointing back at you. I hate witch hunts. We all make mistakes. He apologized. Nobody is perfect, says Anthony. Uh, Sean in Blackrock asked the question, yeah, but what about the bars that won't take cards? Only cash. Cash that they can bury. He should have apologized. Uh, he could have apologized without using the deaths of loved ones. Also, he didn't need to say that he was going through a lot of anxiety in his apology statement. His apology was not acceptable for the crap that came out of his mouth. He never came back and clarified if he was telling the truth about his payments. He skirted around it with his apology. You see, that's, that's the point I was making. I hope I made it clearly enough earlier on this morning. I'm still not convinced as to what he was saying was untrue or what sorry what he was saying was wrong was it wrong to say what he said you know kind of lagging or with bravado or was he wrong in saying that he was getting 15 grand a week um and that he wants to this to continue for for 10 years i mean is really um, you know what's going on there um making all that money now during covid and wanting covid to continue for 10 years to be able to get a villa in, in barbados is that the truth that that kind of money is being made while just using a car park. I'm still not clear on that. Um, the Silver Key Bar is the nearest bar to Michal Martin's house. It is within his parish, just as, as a by the way, actually, because it is within Michal Martin's parish. I don't know whether Michal Martin drinks there or what pub he drinks in or whether he drinks in pubs or not, but if you were to throw a slitter from Michal Martin's house, it would hit the roof of the Silver Key. So we called his constituency office, we emailed his constituency office just to see if he had any comment to make on the fact that there is a business saying that they're better off closed. And what he was saying was that he's making more money now than before COVID and wants COVID to continue. And we asked Mohan Martin to comment on that. Nobody came back to us in any shape or form, Uh, not by email, not by text, not by phone call. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, um, uh, Photo Wildlife Park have given me more family passes. This is two adults, two kids, one adult and three kids. Day out down at Photo, you will love it. And if you get a bit of weather, all the better. Now, remember, pre-booking is essential. You just can't rock up there. You can book online, Photo Wildlife or you can win one of my family passes. Now, I haven't done this yet, so I'm kind of new to this one. I know Mick Mulcahy had some fun with it uh, yesterday. So we are looking for somebody who can, but on their best singing voice, uh, there are high notes involved in this, so it ain't going to be all that easy. But whoever can do the lion sleeps tonight, including the high notes, wins the family pass. So have a listen. I'd be better at that.
They do the low stuff all day long, the high stuff. Mind yourself getting over that barbed wire fence. Get dialing now, one 106 and we'll squeeze in as much as we can. I'll come back to lots of the texts and calls in the morning, but just one fast one. William, good morning. Hello, Neil. If you have somebody sitting down uh, filming you, you'll know it, is it? No, I'm just saying, if you, the way he was looking at the video, you know, I watched it a good few times, seeing him, he was being videoed, I said. Yeah, yeah. He was looking at, exactly at it, but you're right about the apology, I think, but there's lots of people apologising, but they don't, it don't be accepted, you know. Well, I don't know what to do except to accept an apology. It doesn't, it doesn't change the event. It maybe mitigates it somewhat, but it doesn't answer the questions that I still think are unanswered as to regards to lifting the lid on the kind of money that businesses might be making in government grants. No? I, under, I understand that, but like everyone is titled to a, their opinion. I know that, but like he, he, he probably, had a couple of drinks in him and he said things that he, he wouldn't have said, you know. Uh, and and that much I accept. And I'll accept somebody who puts their hand on their heart and apologises and says, I was stupid, I had too much to drink and I said stupid things. But is what he said true or not? Well, sure, does it matter if it's true or not? It, it, do, it does, no, it does matter because someone's got to pay the piper. Our kids and our grandkids have been handed an IOU that they won't be able to pay. And if somebody is going to be saying, I'm making huge money and I can buy a, a villa in Barbados, I want to know, is that true? But Neil, there's government, government ministers, they're going up to the dial and signing their names and they're getting, they're getting bonuses and everything. There's nothing about it. All right. And okay. they're getting, they're getting uh, money for petrol and everything and there's not a thing about it. Because they don't speak out, they're being, being caught now and then. And, and like, look at the big thing with the tent and the judge and everything. I know, I know all of that. But you can imagine there's somebody going in front of him and he's after breaking the law and he's sending people we, to jail I and know, and everything. I know that, but we still have somebody who's saying that he wants COVID to go on for 10 years because he's getting 15 grand a week from the government. That's unforgivable if that's true. Uh, you can't have some, you can't have somebody saying that if people have lost their jobs, taken wage cuts, lost loved ones in nursing homes, or lost a loved one to COVID. But Neil, if you're going to any bar around the country, just people sitting when they have a few drinks too much. I know, and I accept mean. that. I mean, I think, I mean, I'm getting grief for accepting the guy's apology, but I still want to know is what, is what he said true? Well, sure, it, it, if it's true, well and good. If it's not true, well and good. The man is after apologising. You know, he's after saying he made a mistake. Like, you know, in all fairness, like, he's, he came out and he apologised. Like, he's probably ashamed to come on the radio, Neil. You know what I mean? Yeah, Over what uh, he said. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, like, I 100% I, I, accept that he regrets it. But there's texters this morning saying that he only regrets it because some clown shared a video. <laughs> Sure, he probably didn't mean much about it either. He thought it wouldn't go this far, you know. All right. Okay. Okay. Nice one. Okay. Compassionate Thanks, point Neil. of view. Go Thanks go for that, go William. Go Lines go open at 1850 Text 0868104106. Um, uh, Seamus travelled down to Monkstown and to Passage West this morning. Um, and uh, he's filed back a, a lovely vox from the good people of Passage and Monkstown. I won't have an opportunity to play it this morning, but I certainly will play it first thing in the morning. And again, you know, when we think of the loss of Father Khan, 
uh, and it's very important that we mark his passing. We also need, and, uh, and I have not made any contact in any way, shape or form uh, with the family um, of uh, Mr. Wills, Mark Wills, who at 51 was the driver of the bus who also uh, died. They think it may have been a cardiac arrest or some medical issue. Um, so I know that I've been talking an awful lot about Father Khan this morning and many people have been, you know, you know, wishing, talking, um, giving accolades about how wonderful a man he was. I don't want the opportunity to pass this morning to, without marking that, you know, Mark Wills also died and I haven't had an opportunity to talk with anybody who um, would say kind and wonderful things about Mark Wills. So we need to mark that also. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Photo Wildlife Family passes. Two adults, two kids, one adult and three kids. Uh, Grace is standing by. So is Dermot. First up is Bernice. Bernice, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Oh, you, must, you must be desperate to get into Photo Wildlife Park. <laughs> well, I love what my grandkids are. <laughs> okay. You wouldn't have far to go then. I think you're down Middleton Way. Is that right? That's right, Neil, it is, yeah. Okay, so we need your best singing voice. Uh, maybe it's easy <laughs> easier for the female sex to get up to the higher notes. Let us find out, shall we? Okay. Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to... let me. Fine, all right. <laughs> let me Let me just run this and I'll tell you then when to jump in, all right? So this is what we're talking about. Okay. In your own time, let's hear you do it. The high bit, woman, the high bit. The high bit. Again. Again. I'm trying to show you. I think you acquitted yourself well there nearer the end. <laughs> Hang in there and we'll see if Dermot or Grace can make a better job of it. Dermot! Hello. All right, for the guys. For us guys, all right? That's it. I normally sing Johnny Cash now. <laughs> Come on, go for it. Are you still there? Oh, you're there. When do I start? No! Do that again. Do that again. Bong, bong, go away. Bong, bong, go away. Did that hurt? Not at all, but it sounded if it hurts. Hang on a second there. Grace. Yeah, hello. <laughs> How you feeling, all right? Nervous. Thank you for All right, okay. Big prize in this. The fam- <laughs> family pass for a photo wildlife park. So in your own time there, off you go. Do I go to go now, yeah? <laughs> yes, please. You have the green light. <laughs> you know, the bits come in. No, oh. just... Uh... Oh, my God. Do that again. Oh. And one more time. Definitely the winner, Grace. My apologies to Dermot. My apologies to Bernice. Let me put it like this. You were the best of a bad lot. 
They say you did it like Celine Dion. Did you know that? Oh. <laughs> anyway, your grandkids will love you for it, all right? I know, I know. <laughs> Thanks very much. You're please. welcome. The Voice of Cork, Neil Prendeville. Weekdays 9 to midday. Cork's Red FM.